The Koi Gig Pod. Who is this serving? And what is the end goal? Would be kind of nice to know. I feel like we haven't had quite enough Irish bias this year, so I am quite happy to see this. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Very good morning to you. It's half past seven. It's Wednesday morning on OTBAM, brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. We're on air as usual until 10 o'clock. We've got Ratoth and Mead's Ashling O'Reilly. Good morning, Ashling. <laughs> what an intro, I know, Shane. you, you got to give it loads. Yes, absolutely. And College Corinthians and Cork's Cullum Buhig in the corner as well. Morning, Cullum. Morning, Shane. Morning, Ashling. Good morning. Morning, viewers. See, isn't that a better intro than Jer? Oh my God, like talk, talk and cheese. Yeah, yes, you, there's like, oh, here's some guy who's worked here for a while. I don't know. Anyway. You What's his g- name again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah you got to give people their... their, their you got you to do it. They're Jews, you and know. And I hope he's watching. Jared. Ah, he will be. He will I hope Sarah's watching now. No, no doubt, very jealous. He's in training session. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think there's only one place to start. Immortality was the word used on a lot of the back pages about Messi this morning. Um, and I mean, he ran the show. Any doubts about Messi's ability to run the show for Argentina anymore, I think, are are gone. Did you both enjoy the game last night, or was it just one of those, I guess, un- unexciting semi-finals? Because Croatia didn't put up a battle. Yeah, I don't think they put up as much of the battle that we thought they would have. You know, they've been brilliant throughout this tournament. I think they've been maybe one of the dark horses. I know we expect a lot from Croatia, but uh, they did. They played well throughout this tournament, and not so much yesterday. I suppose when it mattered most. Yeah. But look, you're coming up against Messi, Magic Messi. Ah, stop. Unbelievable. Um, and I think they bided their time, their Argentina team. Like, they, obviously, we know they were unbeaten. I think it was 39 games before they came into this yeah. World Cup. Um, then they fell against Saudi Arabia in that first game. It was a massive shock oh. to kick off the tournament. After that game, we were like, there's no way Argentina are going to do I know, anything in this tournament. Big time. And they've just got better game on game. And I think the biggest thing with them is that I just think that they know that they would do anything for Messi to lift this trophy and you can feel that from them like I think there's quotes saying that they would die for him to to lift this trophy and I think if you have a player like that and everybody around you knows he's the greatest and you know get him on the ball and that's how they play look last night geez, he looked like for that tour goal in particular it looked like underage setup. like it looked like he had so much time and no he's 35 years of age at the highest stage at the World Cup like he can incredible. just turn on a sixpence like it's like his uh, he stops completely and then all of a sudden is going really fast again in, in no time at all he just tur- like, and his strength as well for a smallish man is, is quite incredible Colm you've been watching back all of Argentina's goals as well yeah. at the World Cup. Mm-hmm. I was just saying just before we went on air, I was like, I need to refresh my memory because I was thinking, how many goals has Julian Alvarez scored at this World Cup? So he's on four. Is he on four? Yeah, yeah Messi's on five, and that's level with Kylian Mbappe. Mm. And last night, actually, Messi became the uh, record uh, scorer at World Cups for Argentina, surpassing Gabriel Batistuta. Mm-hmm. And also, he's level on appearances now with Lothar Matthias for the most ever World Cup games at 25. So, um, unless something. Uh, terrible happens between now and Sunday he'll break that record another record um, and then he also equaled um, Diego Maradona's eight assists at a World Cup for Argentina with that already famous assist last night for Alvarez so remarkable numbers but like we were saying yeah looking back on the goals here because three of Messi's five goals have been penalties mm. he also missed a penalty against Poland remember Wojciech Chesney saved That's it right, it was a brilliant yeah. save one of the best saves of the tournament and uh, I was saying there to, to yourselves before we got that I can't remember at all what uh, Messi's two up and play goals were like so I just looked at them here 
and the one against Mexico, I realised how tantalising that was. You've already alluded to the fact that Saudi Arabia shocked the world in the first game. Yeah. And at halftime against Mexico was nil-nil. And it was a turgid game. Yeah, and yeah. there really was talk of, is Argentina going to go here? And that so was their second match. That was the second, that was the middle yeah. game. Yeah. So then uh, Messi picked up the ball 25 yards out against Mexico, nil-nil. Nothing was happening at all. Took a touch. Mexico just gave him that half a yard space and he put a daisy cutter in the bottom right corner and then Messi's World Cup again, even though he scored against Saudi Arabia in the penalty as well. And then in the next game against Australia, which they also still had to win, mm-hmm. um, he loved, like lovely side foot pass finish into the bottom uh, left yeah. corner. Remember he played a 1-2? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, it was beautiful because you have two different... Uh, Two different versions of Messi. The one in the bottom right against Mexico was very similar to the 2011 Champions League final he scored at Wembley against Manchester United. The goal that killed the game, Pat van der Sar, was very similar to that against Mexico, but the, Argent- the Australia one was like caressed into the other side. And he's just having a stupendous tournament, isn't he? For a guy yeah. who's already got World Cup player of the tournament before, but it wasn't really, didn't really feel justified. But everything's pointing towards a magical Messi moment at the weekend, but I think they have a, a France shaped hole to surpass and I don't think they will when you're mentioning those early games like I, I barely remember some of the early games mm-hmm. and I watched pretty much all of this World Cup but it's like some of those early matches are well it's the goals blur. anywhere are blurred to me yeah. like the Saudi Arabia game everyone remembers but like the Mexico and Australia games I'm like can't remember watching that no and I don't think Messi was as standout if I remember no. correctly yeah. like he's been biding his time for the big moment. better each game nearly yeah and it's, it's almost as if this was the plan. Mm. Like going out against Saudi Arabia, didn't have a good game. They didn't have a good game. They didn't play well. They didn't get the result. And then obviously you've seen as it, as it moved on and on against Netherlands, especially when it mattered most, you know, he stood up and everybody was like, that's when the magic Messi was back. That's yeah. when the Messi that we wanted to see was back. And yeah, it looks like he's just peaking at the right time. So I'm praying that it's, uh, but yeah, it's that's, on Sunday. That's a good point though, because... There has been times where he's been really quiet in the tournament and there was talk, oh, he's not having a great game. And even as recently as last night, yeah. like we were saying uh, in the pre-show meeting, uh, discussing what we all thought of the game last night. And I was thought for the first half an hour, Croatia were better. Uh, I, they lacked cutting edge totally and the manager himself said that afterwards. But I thought they controlled the midfield kind of as expected. And they had a half-decent chance just before Argentina's opening goal when yeah. Luka Madras nutmeg now is last in the annals of history because right afterwards... Australia, Argentina scored but he had a beautiful nutmeg passed it out to Perisic who went for the chip which was never really on and it was probably at least a corner possibly even a penalty with a handball but it would have been harsh enough and they go up the other end and score but when the penalty was awarded and Messi stood over the ball I was watching an ITV and Lee Dixon said Messi hasn't had a kick all game yet so to go from that for the first half hour of Messi being anonymous to 60 yeah. minutes later he, he really is the greatest player of all time I saw a stat last night it was like I think it said in five World Cups Ronaldo has 10 goals and assists Whereas Messi in this tournament alone has eight goals and assists. Just one tournament. Says it all. Like, I wonder, was Ronaldo, do you think he was watching last night? Oh, absolutely. And I, I, hating every oh, he bloody watched, moment of no it. no way he was watching that game. No? No way he was watching that game. He had to have been. I don't think it's conversation anymore. Like, no, it's, it's not. It's not a conversation. Really? No. Because, uh, would you say that only because of what's happened literally this season, like the last three months? Like, if I, if I was to ask you the same question in the summertime pre-season, say, would you say it was 50-50? I would have always said Messi. And that's would just you? my personal view. But yeah. I can 100% see the argument for Ronaldo. But no, it's not that he's been in the headlines for all the wrong reasons over the last number of months. It's not that at all. I actually think he's got a little bit of a hard time over the last while. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think at the World Cup, especially, like anything he did, it was, you know, put in, put in headlines. And I was like, he didn't show any of the good things when he was maybe celebrating when they scored, when Portugal scored and he was on the sideline. He was doing all that too. So. Well, he he wants Champions League football. Would you take him at Parkhead? (laughs) 
<laughs> He's all good now. That Wouldn't thanks. take him. Imagine that. Imagine Wouldn't fit into that type of team. Ronaldo in an old firm, that's something I'd love to see. Imagine the number of goals he would score oh. in the Premiership, the Scottish Premiership. Oh my, my God. What do you mean? How? He would score bundles Care- of careful goals. Out, Why? Careful, Colin. Because he'd be better than most players. Oh, Colin. <laughs> Did you see Juranovic for, for Oh, he was ama- He's amazing. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah, such he's a good fullback. He's probably one of the standout of the tournament. Oh, he's yeah, brilliant. Class. He's brilliant. Absolutely. No, like, no he'd, he'd probably struggle, all right, but I do think people would stand off him and, be, and give him a lot of respect. I'd say for the first few months he'd help himself and then after a while they'd be like, oh, he's not that good anymore. I'm going to allow you another chance no to step chance. in at Colin. What's, what are you saying about the Scottish Premiership quality? <laughs> I just think Rado would do very well in the Scottish Premiership. Right, right, right. Interesting. Headline, there you go. Yeah, I, yeah. Just, I, don't think, I don't think that's controversial at all. I think he'd do very well there. Fair. I just want to quickly, uh, we'll come back to Argentina in a second, just uh, let people know what's coming up between now and uh, 10 o'clock on the show this morning. Plenty is, uh, is the answer. So we've got uh, Olivia Divoli and Louise Ward, two of the members of Kilcairn Clan Burns all-Ireland senior club ladies winning team from last weekend. They, of course, beat Monaghan's Dunamoyne in the final. Two in a row for them as well. Not bad. Kevin Gilban will join us live on the line from Qatar. We're 20 past 8. We'll have the sports headlines as well. We have Jess Kelly, Christmas gift guide, PS5, Xbox, all the rest, and maybe where you can get them because they're not easily got at this time of year, as you well know. And Rachel Housens, she's a member of the Irish women's basketball team. She'll be in studio with myself and Ashley a little bit later on. And a really fascinating interview with Stephen Reid and the former Irish International uh, with Joe last night so we'll bring you that from around 9.35 or so this morning uh, 7.39 on this morning's show uh, like the angle of Messi's that goal you mentioned the third was it the third goal? third yeah. goal yeah. yeah like that sideline it kind of brought up in my head like because everyone gives out about camera phones at matches and even you know when Tiger Woods is teeing off at a big major or whatever everyone's just not living in the moment and everyone's behind the, the screen of their phone but when you see something like last night and that angle that we wouldn't have otherwise seen you're like well maybe phones at matches are okay yeah um, I think I've often done it like I was thinking back to Kerry Dublin this year Sean O'Shea's kick but you're working probably yeah but I didn't need to get the footage chain <laughs> I just I just knew I wanted this moment mm. and um, I think the best thing about that video I shared it afterwards it was to get the atmosphere of the crowd how it went just dead silent mm. and you just see it curving in and then everyone just erupts and it's a pretty good video like to have and a lot of people shared online and yeah it was nice to get another angle of the shot so I don't really mind it if you're on your phone the whole time then you're obviously not seeing the game but yeah. see last night those videos that were running around a messy like it was as if you were right there oh. on the touchline with him like yeah I, I don't mind it I think we've seen that goal agree. a million times before, haven't we? No, I was. I I agree to a point. Like I like. I'm very grateful that footage is there for us to see. I think it's great for people who weren't there, like you said. But like, no, like it doesn't offend me if I'm at a gig or a stadium that someone has their phone out. I'm just like, I'd rather not. I'd rather be there because I think a gig is worse because it's like you're not going to get. A great I, it doesn't bother me if people do it, but I'm just thinking. For, I was like, right, I'd rather just live in the moment. Like I because I big regret. I went to see Spurs and Reading about 15 years ago, and it was one nil to Spurs. White Hart Lane and Robbie Keane scored but it was a penalty oh. and I filmed it so I actually watched a goal live through the phone oh, no. and I'm like never again like because <laughs> yeah. what, why am I here why am I doing this like I might as well watch the highlights online Jesus. so I really tried to live there in the moment since then but the messy footage from the fan who was very close to him it actually goes to show how uh, like when you watch it on television there's kind of a Hollywood feel to the whole broadcast but you just you're reminded when you're actually there it's so much more like visceral and real when you're right there because it just looks more Intimate, like when you're right there at pitch level, and you see it's not really this kind of um, big production, you know. And I, and actually, that makes it better again, I think, because then you're really up close, and then you see the legs moving and the the brain ticking over, and oh. then 
he ruins, you know, Gvardiol, who's, Gvardiol. you know, you know yeah. potentially the defender of the tournament. The there he is there, like, trying to jockey Messi. That's another moment in the game, actually, with the, and he, you know, he's become famous now with the face mask on Gvardiol. He's only, he's very young, like, his early 20s, plays for Leipzig, he's probably going to get a bigger move if he wants off the back of this. Um, and we were talking about like, 24 hours ago, probably the defender of the tournament, yeah. almost certainly to be in team of the tournament. And now that's going to be, you know, what he's famous for is like the guy who Messi ripped apart, even though like he has a huge future himself. And just goes to show the uh, still the brilliance of Messi and how he's one of a kind in that like one of the best young defenders around got destroyed by him. Oh. And he's it looked like he had so world. much time on the ball in that video. Yeah, like he was just like, oh. time stood still a little. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, I think he did. And, and like like Emma was saying beforehand, like the the Maradona parallels against England because you know Messi picked the ball up in roughly the same area of the pitch. And like Maradona was more, you know, direct and obviously a goal came from it. Whereas I was saying, well, Messi, like, it's like he was toying with him. It was like, do you want to come in and take it now? Do you want to take it now? And then he stops, you know. And I think it's the stopping is the, the bravest part for me. Like, it's yeah. the stopping and going back and actually I'll go again. He, he just tried His vision. Yeah. yeah. To know that I know Alvarez is going to be there. But if like, you're the defender. No. Sorry, he, he didn't look up once. No, I was he watching doesn't. Him. Yeah. He didn't even look up to see was he there. He just knew where he would be. Yeah. That must be just from training sessions. I guess he knows where Alvarez is supposed to be. That was the same with the Netherlands game, wasn't it? With that little slip pass oh. inside. It's like, how? Hey, yeah. Pure instinct, isn't it? Like? Yeah. But I think he thinks, oh, Gvardiol thinks I'm going to go back now, so I'm just going to drop my shoulder. So he's probably thinking on the, the defender's behalf. And then if you're the defender in that situation, if you're going up against an attacker, you might think there are probably two or three things uh, a typical attacker would do in the ball. So you're yeah. covering all of them in split-second decision-making. But with Messi, you're probably multiplying that by five because he really he could do anything here. Yeah. So then you're going to drive yourself to insanity thinking, what am I going to do here to stop Messi? I'd love to know how long that fan was filming for. Like, he can't, he can't have just happened <laughs> to be filming for that little moment. Like, he must have been filming way before, right way after. Yeah. Well, when, like, when he, so Messi drips all over the place. So then he saw him coming over. Yeah. And at that time, the momentum was really swinging towards not just Argentina, but Messi was starting to dominate the game. Mm. Yeah. And there's actually ITV showed it afterwards that Messi's um, gesturing to the fullback Molina I think where he wants the ball so I'd say that fan picked up and like Messi's in the mood here because often Messi looks so disinterested it's actually comical but now he was in the zone and he knew that he had Croatia on the back foot like, and they, they were terrified of him yeah. I'd say it's been a while now since the opposition has been physically really terrified of him and he's like I'm going to take advantage of this mm-hmm. and like you know again kind of with Mbappe it's like we just don't see as Messi as much as we used to like not watching a lot of Ligue 1 mm. And the other point as well that they were making afterwards last night, uh, Gary Neville, Roy Keane, um, in studio was like, you know, <laughs> with PSG, they're carrying Mbappe and Neymar as well, and you can't carry three. Yeah. You can carry one. And 10 Argentina players plus the substitutes are doing their level best, as you were saying earlier, to get Messi this World Cup. Oh, and even with all that said, it, yeah. I still think if France show up on Sunday and if they beat Morocco tonight, I think they're going to retain it. That's, you? There's just a song that they're, they were all singing on the pitch at the end where they're doing all this whole celebration and I was like, what are they singing? It, the words are just, I want to be world champion. And like, it's, like, it's the most basic song ever, but like, I couldn't believe it. It's been 36 years since Argentina won a World Cup. Mm. Like, it feels like the time now because it's, I don't know, is it Messi's last World Cup? Probably. Mm-hmm. Well, what age is he? 35? 35, yeah. You'd imagine so. Yeah. Did you see the scenes in Buenos Aires oh, last night? Ridiculous. Insane. Like, oh my God, you can see what it means to them. Yeah. And I know we'll probably talk to Kev about it, but I think the Argentina fans there in Qatar, you know, have been standout <laughs> yeah, of all numbers. of the countries. So, yeah, it'll mean a lot to them, but I, you wouldn't write them off. Look no. what they did against Brazil in the Copa America final, yeah. you know. Uh, they took a lot of confidence from that, so... 
Well, as yeah. you said, they were unbeaten for so long before the tournament. Yeah. Like, there's there's a reason for that. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Scaloni's obviously a good manager. I remember one time being in the Stratford end of Old Trafford. I might have said this story before, but I think it was the United Real match at Old Trafford. When Ronaldo scored the winner, and um, there was cameras before you went into the turnstiles at that section, saying no, no videoing, no photos. I was like, I have to get a, I have to get a video of someone. Once in a lifetime that. moment. Yeah. That's what I feel that that fan was doing last night. But I remember taking a video, and the guy behind me tapped me on the shoulder. Proper Man United ultra I was like. No video. And Is that like, because you were in with the ultras, though? Yeah. That happened to me before. <laughs> yeah. If you're in with the ultras, they're like, no video, because they don't want to be on the camera. That's the thing. Yeah. But I was full, I, I was full on, like, oh, it's it's my mum. My mum doesn't know I'm here, so I'm surprising her with a little video. My mum knew I was there. I was <laughs> just terrified. I was like, come up with some reason <laughs> quick. Let's here alive. 100%. But I think no, that... I don't know what a video is worth it at a match. When? If you watch it back afterwards. <laughs> but you never If do. you don't watch it back. You never if do. If you don't watch it back, if it should never have happened. If it's a once thing. If it's a, a World Cup semi-final mm. and it's messy, or maybe Tiger Woods, you took your phone out. Depends what he's doing. Like mm. you hundred percent. No, but I'm not going to watch it back. There's no way I'm going to watch it back. No, it's actually phone. something you would keep forever. One of the greatest, the greatest World Cup final. A World Cup final lifting the trophy. I'd film that. I thought Colin would always be watch so that back. Yeah, no, no, true. because then I'd have that my own footage and my own angle. I'd watch that. That's a moment in history. But I, I feel like oh, maybe it would be nice to have it captured. And I'd probably send it on. Show it up in the old Instagram stories. Oh, you had that match. That's amazing. Oh, class. <laughs> and then show it on to the WhatsApp groups. But me personally, like in my downtime, am I watching it back like on the train being like, oh, no, that's in great footage. Years, like, I actually no. think if your own county's no. involved, say you, you said you took the video of Sean O'Shea. Mm. So you're a Meath woman. I, I reckon <laughs> if it was a Meath kick, like if, if Martin were taking a kick to win an All-Ireland semi-final or final, I don't think I would have been able to. Would have even thought of it. No, I'd be so I wouldn't nervous. have been able to. Yeah. I suppose, you know what, think back of that. I had Paddy Andrews right beside me. Um, so I was probably thinking, you know, I wanted to... Get his reaction. And, yeah. And James O'Donoghue. So I wanted to get the two of their reaction. Obviously me, or Kerry Dublin. So maybe it was a bit more of that too. But exactly, if that was me, no way would I have been able to get my phone out. No, not no, a hope. No. Play with nails. Go on, Colm. No, I, look. Uh, are you a big filmer? At matches in general and gigs, I just want to finish this off. Not a, I need to get a clarification on this from everyone. Uh, gigs, Not gigs, gigs is just ridiculous. I, I and, and I have been known to film like five seconds. Just like I was at this gig, but I, I don't feel good about it. I wake up the next day and I'm like, why? Why did I do that? There's no need for it. Yeah, matches. No, I, I try not to do it. Um, depends on the match. Like, <laughs> I think it's coming for me here. <laughs> old, old man yells a cloud over here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just said that I uh, I like when the fellow kids film. It's fine. Yeah, fair. No problem, I'm no problem with it at all. Yeah, you're putting us, you're putting yourself in with the kids as well. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. We've got a load of comments coming in on uh, mainly on Messi. Messi is a true artist. Hard to disagree. Uh, nice Irish connection to Alexis McAllister and Buenos Aires hurling club. I mean, at least we have a, a horse in the race now in the final. Yeah, so we can go for I them. That. Uh, someone, uh, Ty Carroll says on uh, the YouTube comments and by the way I keep the comments coming in isn't it a bit strange that so many people think this one tournament should decide who the best player of all time is I mean it's pr- it probably is recently biased in some ways but a World Cup is it's like the, the ranking points is different when it comes to a World Cup if he wins the World Cup and has been and, and continues to be dominant in the final then I think there's no there's no question Maradona like see we weren't f- f- in the Maradona era mm-hmm. you might have scraped it Colin did you <laughs> <laughs> like we didn't get to watch Maradona properly in the Napoli Argentina 86 era so we can't really speak we can only watch the videos back and give give an opinion but at least we saw Messi live mm-hmm. not live I still haven't seen him live yeah, in person in that no. footage last night <laughs> oh true yeah, yeah we didn't have it I felt like we were there I've seen Ronaldo in person twice he didn't do anything uh, 
Didn't go, do anything either again. Like he's I think you need to acknowledge that. Anonymous, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just stick the boot into Ronaldo one more time. We have Ronaldo-related comments now. Do we? Oh. Yeah. Let me let me just yeah, get to it. Uh, there's always Ronaldo-related yeah. comment. I mean, there has to be. Every time we, we uh, are on the show, Ronaldo wouldn't do well in the SPL. Has to be one of the worst takes in the long history of bad takes. He'd probably find <laughs> it harder in the championship. It's a good point. Oh, Ashleen. MLA is nine. Shots fired. Both it's too early tough. for this. Ten days. I can't be dealing. Jeez. Do you think he'll struggle in the Scottish Premiership? Um, in the form he's in at the minute, yeah. I don't think he's offering too much. You know, um, look, you're not denying he's an unbelievable player, but I think at the form at the moment, he's on his way out. And I just, yeah, I don't think he would offer as much as, you know, a player that's up and coming. You know, you, I don't think it'd be a good buy. Who would he really? get in ahead of in the yeah. set of time? I think it would be unbelievable. Guaranteed goals. Like, he'd guarantee you goals. Well, Celtic couldn't afford him, so like this is a hypothetical argument. But well, uh, hold, on, well, hold on now. Like, where's like, where he going to go? If he wants to stay in the limelight, if he wants to stay in the main European leagues, yeah. his options are not plentiful in supply. But I don't think a lot of teams will want him, you know, at the moment mm. because of the last, I suppose, last few months of... Like seeing his antics, you know, you're not going to want someone like that coming into your dressing room. That's true. And how he yeah. plays, like yeah. Celtic play high intensity, quick, fast. Mm. Like that's how Ange plays. He ain't going to slot in there. Actually, sorry, that's a very good point. He that would never work never. with that. Ange Ball and Ronaldo do not go hand in no, hand. No, absolutely not. I'd say that's his worst nightmare. And that's <laughs> being true. real. That's okay, but say for argument's sake, if he was placed in there, would Rangers would? I I could see Rangers keeping him at bay. Could you see any other sides stopping him scoring? Like, St. Mirren away is a tough fixture. Yes. <laughs> Don't no you, Harry? Who Mirren knows? Um, yeah, I thought you were going to say that he was going to Rangers there and I was like, happy enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Either are. Yeah, Either are. No, yeah. I think you're right. I think, um, like, and yeah, he couldn't have him. Like, we'd just ruin everything no. he's trying to do. Mm. But I do think, um, I do think, like, it wouldn't be a, the worst option for Ronaldo himself because I do think he'd help himself domestically. I really do for at least like six months, and uh, I think then he'd stay in Europe as well, and like literally play European football, and that would suit him very nicely. Yeah. So if he gets group stage football with Celtic or Rangers, that's six games guaranteed. Probably only six games, but six games. So that's his chance to add to his Champions League hall, which is what he really wants. Like, yeah, he wants Champions you know League I mean? football. So that I would think that would Celtic. be uh, one bit worse option. <laughs> Starting the movement here, I think. Ronaldo to the SPL. <laughs> no, no, no. And the Sporting Lisbon colours, you know, for Celtic. Well, true. You, yeah. might, you might like that. The no, Sporting don't want them. Fan. Yeah. Uh, the Sioux into the corner of Parkhead. I think that could work. Uh, no, it wouldn't work. Uh, Terry, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Terry Kelly says on YouTube, you never, you never saw Maradona. To put it in perspective, Damien Duff said last night, Mbappe is not fit to lace Messi's boots. Messi is not fit to lace Diego's boots. Messi is the best of this generation. Oh, I mean, I, don't know what I, I find it, I find it impossible to argue against it because I didn't see Maradona week in week out. I'd have I feel to like I need to go and watch it back. Like obviously we've seen countless amounts of clips and all of that, but I feel like I really need to sit and. Yeah, I'd have to talk Before to someone make a decision. who mm. saw all of those players in action yeah. at the time and sit down with them and actually go through with pros and cons list because I would love to like break it down, but you know, obviously never will for the simple reason that football has changed so much since Maradona's time. Like so much. It's a different sport, nearly. Yeah, mm. so it's we're really different. Like we're being punished here for our, our relative youth. Like we should ask one of the old heads, like Jer or Nathan or Adrian, maybe yeah. on the show. Oh, that's who a good are, idea. Who are really old? Yeah, and like they're not going to remember them either. Though, really, really old. They are, but they're yeah, very, very ancient. Yeah. They're old, are they? They're like ancient, yeah. Oh. As Colm says, yeah, very, very old. So we'll, we'll ask them and see what they remember from uh, from back in the day. They used to walk to school, I think, with with no shoes as well. So uh, that's how old they are. Uh, someone says, 
formation laps from a Grand Prix or a good rewatch on a phone. I have to say, I did take. I'm not going to bring up the Spa Grand Prix again. I wa- oh yes, you documented <laughs> the whole can. thing. There was a couple of laps where I did uh, the formation laps where I did take out the. I think they're probably taking the piss of me because that's exactly what I did. Film a couple of formation laps, and they were a good rewatch back because you've got the noise of the Formula One car. So I think that is actually a sport where filming a lap or two is okay because there's so many laps. You're like you can watch the rest of it with your own eyes, and you can't go to that every day. You're probably saving up to get to that. Exactly. It's a massive moment, and like I think if it's a once in a lifetime thing that you're not going to do each and every week. Yeah, yeah. You know, take it in as well as maybe getting a little video for yourself that you'll always have. You can That's get a good sport to film. Formula One. Ah, you you don't uh, you don't actually see the justice of it like on TV. How ridiculously fast yeah. these cars are going by. Because oh. the odd, the odd clip you'd see online when uh, a fan films it, it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. that's, that's okay then. Oh yeah. Oh, that's one hundred percent okay. Formula One. <laughs> totally. There you go, Shane. You yeah. got the green light. One hundred percent. Also, um, the, the pond there, the uh, Formula One pond, the green light. Uh, as well. Tennis up close. Did you like that? Professionals <laughs> seeing the the speed of their ground strokes is uh, frightening. Can you film? Can you film tennis? Uh, I watch. I mean, I know train. you physically can, but are you allowed, <laughs> are you allowed to? I say uh, at the Australian Open, there's a training. Uh, court and you could go right up close like literally the distance from me to you like right. and you could you could watch them right in the fence next to them During and point. just uh, yeah just like because it's only training like it's just to build up to oh, the match right, sorry, yeah. and uh, just the pace of their ground stroke so that was well worth filming because you could watch that back because again TV doesn't do it justice <laughs> you're contradicting yourself no I'm not I'm not I'm just saying for football it's like uh, nah, for these matches because they're too far it's just too far away it's just too far away I'm never going to watch it back yes he was ever. right there for that person no I need to see um the reason like the tennis thing works and the Formula One works for me is that like the television equivalent that you're otherwise watching on doesn't do it as much justice as your own footage when you're up close. Whereas football, it's like I don't think there's much of a difference usually in people's filming. And what I mean now is a clip. I don't mean you have your phone out the whole game. Like mm-hmm. I hate that. But if it's just a clip because you're seeing the likes of Messi in a World Cup semi-final, mm. then I think that's... That's totally fair. fine. Yeah, I think I think you're allowed to. I was at the Crucible for a couple of World Snooker Championships. That's a sport there. You just, you just can't film. You're not allowed to film, obviously, mm-hmm. in the crowd. So yeah. some sports are not made for the, for the filming. Uh, someone says if Maradona is God, then Messi is Jesus. Um, real Celtic people are Messi lovers. Ronaldo wouldn't even make Celtic bench. Says NTV. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so says Gary Lineker says Messi is the best, and he was on the pitch with Maradona. Yeah, that, okay. that is interesting. Yeah. And Gary Lineker did that documentary in Maradona about 15 years ago where he followed him around yeah, so yeah, yeah. A, like a, had a fairly relatively personal relationship with Maradona so to hear that is great I think Suness said the same Graham Suness is big on uh, Messi being better than Maradona and seeing them both in action but then I've heard you know dad and friends of dad like saying oh no Maradona was unbelievable but then you're kind of biased towards your own time aren't you like so Someone and it never ends but like Anyway, look, just seeing them both is great. Like the Maradona footage is, I, I can't get enough of watching that. Uh, yeah, the Belgium semi final in '86. Like, the, there's like a four, four minute video I watched recently of yeah. his highlights from that and game. The other thing, it's just scandalous. The other thing too is like, there's no uh, video package of Maradona being like average or losing the ball a lot. You know, so you're only ever seeing the absolute best of these lads who went before your time. Whereas Messi, we're seeing the good and bad, so we're kind of tailoring it a bit. But like, I do have a feeling that Messi, Messi's natural ability, I don't think I've seen surpassed ever. Yeah, but Maradona, I just think. Um, the whole package for me is just kind of Hollywood. Warm-ups used to be amazing. Oh, that that famous warm-up. Yeah. I go back to that like two or three times a year. Yeah. When he's um, he's up. warming up to the to the sound of the music in the stadium. Like, and that's... Um, Hitting that was every a, beat. Like. Yeah, that was <laughs> his song again. Li- uh, life is life. Is life. Life is life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, that was the, the UEFA Cup semi-final second leg warm-up. Was it? It wasn't like it was a pre-season game. Jesus. 
He Is that where he didn't have his boots laced? Yeah, didn't have his yeah, boots yeah, laced, yeah. and all, the rest of the Napoli players are doing their own warm up, and Maradona's Berlin. doing his thing. <laughs> Jesus, that is the way of warming up. Yeah, ah, incredible. Yeah, that's that's what I mean by Maradona. You know, he just had that kind of X factor. Like he he was like a movie star playing football. Yeah, nobody yep. could lace Maradona's boots. Maybe that was literal. Literally can't no. listen. That's what he was trying to say. Yeah, was <laughs> trying to show. That was trying to illustrate that. Uh, Wayne Rooney was tweeting last night as well. Um, he was he retweeted a tweet he, he put out on March seventh, twenty twelve. So ten years ago, Messi is a joke for me, the best ever. And he retweeted it last night, going, "Nothing has changed." The Cristiano Ronaldo war continues between Rooney and himself. Oh, oh you know? right. Beef is real. Beef is real. But what is going on there? Like, it's sad, isn't it? It's kind of sad. Yeah. Like, they seem to get on very well in that oh three to oh nine United mm-hmm. team, but. I think in the Pierce Morgan interview, like the way he called him out was just Pointed. so wrong. It was it was, yeah. it was silly. It was so silly. You were like, "Did you just say that?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I saw Pierce Morgan tweeting last night predicting Croatia would beat Argentina, so we got that right. I mean, it's not hardly surprised that Pierce Morgan would get something wrong uh, for sure. Um, yeah, keep the comments coming in on on Messi. Uh, the penalty as well. I don't know what you guys watching on ITV or RT last night, but like the the lads in the studio for the penalty decision for Argentina, uh, Wright, Keane, and Neville were all like, "No." that was never a penalty for Argentina the first one mm-hmm. like I don't know what the argument was the keeper took him out uh, Peter Walton as well they went to the ref watch in the studio and Peter Walton was like well it was a penalty mm-hmm. like he had to at least stop the ball if, if if it was going to not be given as a penalty but then it came back to Ali McCoist on commentary in the second half and he was like ah, yeah, I completely disagree with the lads in the studio it just it was one of those that, that seemed to divide Twitter which which was bizarre but yeah I definitely have to watch it back but yeah. it looked like he was just taken out so yeah. I think in that situation it you know, felt it's like going to be a penalty yeah 100% um, but the ITV coverage I've watched most of the World Cup now on the ITV yeah and it's been brilliant it's good in this so refreshing it's good yeah yeah I, I really it. enjoy it like I actually look forward to the half time yeah the chat beforehand like sometimes you might miss it I'm like no I want to I want to make sure that I can actually see the preview <laughs> yeah um, I miss life brilliant. Tilsley though Tilsley's gone home it's Sam Matterface in instead of him Sam's grand but like he's no Clive yeah, yeah, yeah. You love Clive Tilsley. He's from Mount Rushmore of people. Oh, I really do. That's a good one. Like, I love John John Champion as well. There's a few good commentators at this this tournament that I really, really enjoy. Clive reminds me of my childhood Champions oh, League. His, his voice, yeah, his voice just means this is a big game. Mm-hmm. I like. I love. I love George Hamilton. I grew up with George, but I always associate George with the voice of doom because I always. It's like Ireland or Manchester United <laughs> conceding goals. Mm. But with Clive, there was always. I, I associate him with the greatest times because obviously Newcamp was his finest moment. But just in general, just bad memories. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Remember uh, Jim Beglin used to be so prominent as well. He was great, Cocan. Ah, I love Jim Beglin's voice. His voice meant important as well, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's dream team, but. No, I'm with Jim McCoy. It's just a breath of fresh air, isn't he? 100. It's like listening to a match with your buddy. Like, yeah, uh, that's what you want. Oh, that's exactly. Yeah. And, and he has knowledge, and he's genuinely excited, and he loves the cultural side of everywhere he is too. And he was yeah. talking about that. Oh, he's brilliant. Uh, we should touch briefly on uh, Glenn Kilku, which mm. you, yes. you were at on yeah, Sunday yeah. afternoon. Um, Jesus, these two teams don't like each other. No. And Connor Glass, you were reading between the lines with Connor Glass's interview afterwards. I guess. Yeah, I almost wish I pushed him a little bit more. Uh, he was sort of giving me the eyes of we'll leave it yeah so I was like okay right we'll <laughs> leave with Connor but uh, I almost looking back wish I pushed him a bit more but yeah no the tension up in the stands was something I haven't experienced before like I actually I, I turned a few people beside me and was like the tension is is unbelievable here and they're like oh my god yeah and I was trying to think back to like a few games that I've been at that might have been similar and I was like I don't think I have been to a game with that has been this tense. I think it's because in the athletic rounds, first off, brilliant place for a game. Yeah. Like I've watched some 
unbelievable matches now at this point Cracking there uh, yeah it, the atmosphere is always brilliant there I think it's just the way you're almost on the pitch with them but yeah you could definitely feel that it, it meant so much to Glenn like the energy they came with like they scored five points to no reply in the first ten minutes and I think it was 14 minutes gone before Kulku got on the scoreboard yeah. and that was a goal Aaron Brannigan the cornerback and yeah, they were just finding it to get out of their own half. They just couldn't deal with them mm. because they arrived there with a bee in their bonnet from losing last year's Ulster semi-final and they were ready. You know, Malachi O'Rourke had them ready, you know, what tactically. A what a man, by the way, Malachi O'Rourke. Have I said that in the Brilliant. show before? I yeah, love, I, I know. Him. I I seen it on the Monday after and I was like, you're dead right, Shane. Like, and it's funny because I've worked with Malachi at games. I worked with him at the, the Ulster final this year and... He's such a lovely man, such a gentleman. I'm Quiet, like, what like, is it? Yeah. What is it when you get in that dressing? What is it when you're training? Because even interviewing him after the game, like I, I'm like, what is this magic that you must have? Because, like, to see what he's done, like, yeah, unbelievable. But yeah, the tension, another level. Um, off the ball stuff that was going on was outrageous. Um, from on the the supporters shouting on to management, like. It just never... You didn't know where to look. Yeah. I couldn't even follow the ball because there was something happening everywhere. Constant. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, brilliant game. Can Glenn go on and do some damage? They'll, more, be, hard to, next, they'll be hard to beat. Yeah, I think they'll get to the final and I think Kilmacud, if, if it's Kilmacud that they meet, I don't want to write anyone off, but if it is Kilmacud, I think it'll be a tough task for them, but I 100% think they can do it. Yeah, that's like, going to be a crack. They match their energy, intensity, they have scores, they have runners, they have really good inside forwards who get back and get forward mm. um, and are playing with so much confidence. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they could go all the way. The two semi-finals are brilliant as well. Like Even Mike Cullen will have something to say in that semi-final, I'd imagine, yeah. against Glenn, but uh, yeah, it should be two crackers. Uh, so, it, uh, three minutes past eight on this Wednesday morning's O2B AM. Tuning into the lunchtime wrap today, bringing you all the latest sports news. That's with thanks to Deliveroo. Check out the app for some great match day meal deals across the World Cup. Deliveroo food, we get it. Now, staying with GA, we're joined on the line by Olivia Dively and Louise Ward, fresh from attaining their All Ireland Senior Club Football Championship with their club, Kilcarran Clanburn. Olivia, Louise, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Are the celebrations calmed down just yet, or are you still you still a bit raw? Still a bit raw. All calmed down. I think for today, anyway. I think it's a bit of a back to reality and going back to work. Unreal. Like it, it, I, I guess as well. Like Olivia, you were player of the match. Same as last year as well, scoring five of the 13 points. Louise, you're the captain, scoring two points. So you both had a good day personally. But I mean, it might start with you, Olivia, just to play in Croke Park. Uh, like it, It's been a long time coming for this for this game to be uh, held in, in Croke Park, but I think it was the right decision. And, and what an experience for you guys. Yeah, it was an awesome experience. Um, it's one of the big days in football. I had to play park with the club team and the girls it was just something special, amazing to be a part. Of. Yeah, 100%. We're just uh, losing your line there slightly. Louise, Michael, to you. Um, for yourself, lining out in Croke Park specifically, it must have been quite special. Yeah, it's very special. Like Olivia said there with your club, it's a little bit different. I suppose a few of us were lucky enough when we were playing with the county to, to be there three, on three occasions. But to be able to bring your people there from your community and your parish, and they're the ones that are the driving force behind our team and everything that we need. So to be able to bring them to Crow Park, but then to top it off with a win like that, just it was just so special. And Louise, what was it like for maybe some of the younger girls that have never even been there before, walking into that dressing room, 
were they in awe or did you feel that they they were all good they were confident on the day because sometimes I think walking into Crow Park it can overtake you in ways yeah I know exactly that's what I was saying it's kind of uh, it's great to get in there but it is a beast in itself in its own mm-hmm. way because you don't want the, the I suppose the younger girls to be overawed by the occasion I think that's something we spoke about before that the game that we were there to play Dunamine and not to play Crow Park. Um, but I suppose even when we went into the dressing room, you did get that sense of calmness and the girls were very relaxed. So um, I kind of knew, you know, when it came to the warm-up that they were ready to go and you could see that in their performance as well. And Olivia, I suppose, to, like, Dunamine always prove a fairly big opposition. Yourselves and themselves have a serious history and a lot of uh, county senior championships under your belt in a row. Um, and you have the experience of the Courtney's as well for them. So I, I guess you weren't taking them lightly heading into the game, I suppose. No, absolutely not. Um, last year it was a tough game. We got over the line by six points in the end, and less. Uh, we knew we're just losing Lu- Louise's line there slightly. We'll come back to you, Louise. But we, we go, we'll go over to uh, to Olivia because uh, Olivia, your scoring uh, it, it was it was almost like a carbon copy of last year's final. Uh, <laughs> player of the match, you get your five. Louise points is as well. back now. She's back as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Louise, unbelievable! Like the the. Uh, I, I suppose to get that opportunity to do it in front of your your, your own people as well, and I, I saw you talking about the fact that uh, you know you were hoping for the fires to be lit as you head out, headed out west. All the more special, and it's probably one of those things you now have a target in your back because you're so used to winning. Yeah, and um, I suppose we were conscious of that after last year, and um, we were delighted to get across the line, you know, and beat Moran Abbey only in January, and you come back eleven months later. But I suppose we've created a lot of history for ourselves this year. You know, we've won ten county titles in a row, five Connacht's, and now put two All Irelands back to back, and um, but back to back in the one year. So, like there was massive celebrations, and um, but I think there's just kind of a sense of relief now because when you do have all those little kind of I suppose milestones victories that it does put a little bit of extra pressure on you and it does put that target on your back but um, the girls can just enjoy the Christmas now um, but we're just so thankful to our supporters like we came home to massive homecomings and as you know the weather was just so bad and people still came out on the roads um, and we're just really really thankful for all that support that we have And for people that might not know the club tell us a little bit about it I know it's quite a family affair you have your twin sister playing as well Nicola your your dad Willie is managing the team as well and I know it's the same throughout the team so tell us a little bit about that yeah, well, I suppose like any rural club, it's the, the focal point of the community and, and there's not really any other sport around. And um, We're two small parishes, Conbert and Kilcurn, and we're about four to five kilometres apart. Um, but obviously, yeah, um, it's it's very much like a family family connection. Um, Dad's the manager. You have myself and Nicola. Then you have Michael Dibley, who's one of the selectors, and his three daughters, Olivia Heenwan. And then you have Jerry Noon, Linda Noon involved, and, and their three daughters. And you have Martina Dunleavy in the management and her two daughters. So it's 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 very much a kind of a family affair and I think that's really what makes the club extra special. And what do you think has been the difference? Like there's going to be so many clubs watching what you have done uh, to win back-to-back All-Irelands, 10 county championships in a row, five Connacht titles in a row and obviously Book is a talent within the team but so do a lot of clubs. So what has really been the difference, do you think, for your club to go on and have the success you've had? Yeah, and I suppose in asking that question, you're probably just looking at the last two to three years, but I suppose we've experienced a lot of heartbreak as well. Um, like we lost four to five ball Ireland semi-finals before we actually won one. Um, so we've slowly been building over the last 10 years. You could say we're only up seniors since 2013. Um, and then I suppose you come back in 2019, you play more Abbey in an All-Ireland final, you get beaten there and... 
then you know you're learning things from all those defeats but we're all getting a year older every time we come back as well um but like one man I always mention is Johnny Carter. He's not a Kilcurd or a Clamburn man. He's from my colony. He was involved in, with, with a few of us at underage um, with Galway in in 2010 when we won our first um, All-Ireland. And, you know, there's just something really special about him. And I suppose from a fitness point of view, he has us in really, really good condition. And you can see that in the way that we play. And um, it's just a testament to the girls as well because he really, really does push us hard, but they don't say no to it. They just want to embrace that and just to improve themselves. Olivia, I know you had said uh, you're someone who's been on the radar of a lot of AFLW clubs as well. Um, I'd imagine when you see what what has happened this year and last, you're probably quite glad that you didn't make that decision to go oh, to no, Oz. She's back, Olivia. We still might be having a few difficulties. We have her on the line. I can hear you. Okay? I can hear us. Lovely. Yeah. Um, I think being winning the two All-Irelands in 12 months with your club team was so special um, and something I'm, I'm just going to cherish for the rest of my life and I'm really glad to be a part of it and there is nowhere else I'd rather have been on Saturday night in Crow Park. And it's, like, was that ever a, a really tough decision for you to have made? Like when you're, when you're at those AFLW combines, I'm sure it's, it's a tantalising prospect. Oh, absolutely. And you see what the other girls are achieving out there and how well they're doing. But I think um, for me to leave the club team is always going to be a very difficult decision. That dominance, like to have 10 in a row in Galway, 5 in a row in, in, in Connacht, as we said, like, is motivation ever, ever an issue? Or do you, as, at the start of every year, target a new thing? I guess the three in a row next year is, 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 is more than enough reason to come back and, and go again. Yeah, um, but I think as well, we look at the small goals and the short-term goals and we've got a very tough battle in Galway to start with. And I think when you get a taste of victory, you don't want to let it go as well. And it's something that we've prepared of for a long time now. So we just kind of keep trying to build on performances um, and then take it one game at a time uh, while it's working for the overall goal. Louise, I, th- I think even the performance itself at the weekend was notable for a lot of people. Your pace was clearly too much for Dunamine, and there was no defense, uh, defensive-minded tactics. It was all all-out attack, which 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 made it for a, for a great game to watch for a neutral, I'm sure. Yeah, like um, I suppose we're a running team, and I think we're known for that over the last few years now. Um, and you know, I suppose we're blessed in a way because we're getting players in every year, and they're adding to that. Um, but like we knew Dunamine were going to be a tough opposition and and like maybe from the outset it looked easy but it definitely wasn't and they're a very strong opposition and they flooded back fast and so I suppose when we turned that ball over we knew we had to catch them on the fast break going forward and, and we did and, and I know Chloe Miskell said it in her interview but it's just kind of you know the best person in the best position took a shot and, and I don't think we had too many wides and our conversion rate was actually probably good enough um, this time round where it probably hadn't been in, in some games before that you know when you're getting a few more chances but we knew that our chances were going to be very very limited against Dunamine and we had to take them and those opportunities came um, but as I said it still goes back to the, the work that we're doing in training and the work that Johnny Carter is doing with us and all that running and you know when you see it out in the field there um, and even some scores you know you might be practicing a weave in training and you come to doing a move that you know you do a weave and ends in a point it's just great to see all that kind of come to fruition out in the pitch as well and for you, Louise, you lifted the cup last year, but it, it wasn't in Crow Park. So this year, I'm sure for you personally, it must have been extra special to be able to walk the steps of the Hogan Stand. 
yeah, I suppose like it's 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 not something that I ever thought was going to be, you know, was going to be able to happen with my club or on behalf of my club. Um, and I'm very thankful to the LGFA and the GA for making that possible in this occasion for us. And, you know, I've, I've said over the last few days, like when you dream of being in Crow Park, you know, it was always dreaming in a in a maroon jersey with Galway and following the steps of Annette Clark from her own club, who, who was the last person to lift the Brendan Martin in Galway in 04 and... You know, this year when it was announced, it was just, you know, there was a little bit of excitement about it. And um, we're just so thankful. And, you know, it's a moment that I'm never going to forget. And it's a moment in history, I suppose, as well, being the first ladies um, club team to, to lift that cup in Crow Park. And, but at the same time, I think that's something that we're going to look back on in years as well. And because I don't think it's just all quite hit us yet. Olivia, um, Louise mentions Annette Clark, 2004. I'm sure you were all um, a lot younger watching that match. And, 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 she is someone who's an inspiration to everyone in the club, I'd imagine. Absolutely. She's been a, a hero to us all since we've been growing up. We were so lucky to get to play alongside Ned for so long. We learned so much from her both on and off pitch. Um, she was a great role model. and She was part of last year's All-Ireland. Um, and she retired this year. So she was she was missed in the dressing room. We've been, we've been lucky to play alongside her and with her. Um, Louise, that you mentioned the parish feeling to Karen Clonburn. For anyone who hasn't driven through it, uh, like my own dad's from Dunmore, not too far away, and it, it is really it's two parishes combined. So is is it a is it a nice natural split between the two, or or how does it work? Ah, yeah, there is like there's two villages in each of the two parishes. Um, yeah, there might be a natural split, but like we're very much one, and we're very much a collective when it comes to the football, and it's great. Like, and I suppose you nearly have, you know, I was even counting there yesterday like even our starting 15 you know I'd say it was nearly half and half Kilkern and Clumburn and um, yeah as I said earlier we're only about four to five kilometres apart um, and we're just blessed like we're not a big area we don't have a big population like other clubs have but you know we're very very close and a very very close-knit club um, with great people there um, and you know we can do all the work on, on the pitch or on the training field with our management, but we have a great community behind us from the two parishes and, and they're really the driving force. Like our committee just couldn't do enough for us. And, you know, when we get to this stage, um, there's so many people just want to help out and we're just so thankful to have them. I think that's why it's probably so much more impressive because you don't come from a massive population within the club. So to be able to go on and do back-to-back All-Irelands, it's just it's just unbelievable. But am I right in saying that the, maybe the oldest on the team is maybe 26? Um, no, 30, I'd say. Okay. So, yeah, so Lisa Finnegan would be around 30 and Lisa Murphy would be 29, 30. And after that, then we're all 26 down. So... Um, still a young team. Yeah, still a very young team. Yeah, we are. But like that, that lack of experience. Uh, I suppose next year you can't even say you're, you're lacking any experience because what what has happened this year and, and last will stand to all of you, no doubt. Exactly. Yeah, and like I know you talk about experience there, but maybe you know we've only kind of be, we've been in the last three All Ireland finals with club, but. Like for us, we've been in all all Ireland finals at underage, be it with county or schools, and and that's not only me and you know Olivia. There's younger girls that have been experiencing that as well. So the big day doesn't phase them, and you know they nearly embrace it more so, which is a great thing. And um, and it was no different the last day either. I suppose uh, the the Karen Clanburn Club made made national headlines with Shane Walsh, a certain Shane Walsh, uh, taking a taking a trip east uh, to play for uh, uh, Kilmacud. Uh, was that something that you were like oh geez, this is bringing headlines we don't need to the club or is it something you kind of understand I guess players who are living in Dublin need need to cut out that travelling 
Ah, uh, yeah, like I suppose it made a lot of headlines, um, and a lot of people want to talk about it, and it's still a talking point. And you know, probably was positive and negative said about Shane, but like he is the footballer that he is. And you know, even last weekend, I was just so delighted to see him do so well in Crow Park, and we're all tuning into that game, and his family were up there. His sister Ashling was involved with us last year, and, and you know they're just a huge football and family as well. And um, but to see him do so well last weekend just really drove us on, uh, or the weekend before just really drove us on to to want to do well this weekend as well. And you know, and he absolutely lured it in, in Crow Park, and it just I suppose gave us an extra excitement about being there as well. And I saw the emotion on your 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 manager Willie Ward's face after the game when he's been interviewed. I think it was on TG Car, and like clearly meant so much to him, and he's someone who's so close to you as all. Yeah, like I know as as a team, you know, we're really blessed to, to have Dad as the manager. But for me and Nicola, we're really blessed to have him as our father and, you know, um, to have him involved. And it's a very much a family connection. You know, it does make it a, a, a little bit extra emotional because you have the people that you love and you want there. And, and even closer than just being in the stands, they're actually on the sideline. But for me and Olivia like our fathers have been involved with us since since we were six years of age and you know they brought us right up through the ranks um up to senior and and won our first senior title with us um and then went away for a few years and came back in the last two and got us across the line you know so um even last year getting across the line with dad as as manager and Michael there just seemed very fitting because I suppose initially back in 2013 they were the ones that got us across the line in the county final as well yeah, when I asked you what the difference was maybe in clubs but and um, why you've had this success, this is probably why as well, you know, the family affair, having your dads there since, you know, you were underage the whole way up, you know, that's obviously been a massive part of it. And what were the celebrations like as well? Because I know there was bonfires and the whole lot <laughs> happening um, when you arrived in on the bus. Yeah, so we did our celebrations a little bit different this year. Um, you know, you learn from last year as well. We kind of were on the bus for, for too long, maybe, and the girls were lured to get off by the time we got back to, to Clamburn. But um, this year, we stayed up in the Crow Park Hotel after the game. And again, it was just um, lovely because we got to go across, but it was also about kind of spending that time with our family, you know, and our close friends and the people that are you know our really true supporters and and our loyal supporters that are there you know in the good times and the bad times um and then we headed for home the next day we got the bus down and stopped at Ballinasloe and then came into Clamburn you know and the roads were so bad but to see the amount of people that were there it was just absolutely unbelievable fires fireworks everything and and then from there we continued on to Kilcurnan finished up there and just the amount of people that were there you know our parish priest was out to see us and everything and it's just it's just brilliant and you know and for me to be able to you know bring the Dolores Terrell Cup back home and show it to everybody you know for in the community for all the work that they've done just to be able to kind of pay back in some way to them it's just it's just so special for us. Amazing. Uh, Louise, Olivia, uh, pleasure to catch up with you and congratulations again a huge achievement and uh, no doubt you'll give the three in a row a good whack next year. Thanks a million. Thanks, girls. Thanks. Brilliant stuff there. Uh, Kilcairn Clamburn. Uh, what an achievement for them against uh, Dunamoyne uh, at the weekend. 20 past eight on this Wednesday morning's OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. After the break, Kevin Caban joins us live from Qatar. See you then. Testing. One, two, one, two. GMAC. One, two. GMAC's morning motivational moment. Or something along those lines. There's so many to choose from. Good morning. Graham McDowell here. GMAC, as uh, you guys like to call me. 
some Wednesday motivation for you now. Every day is a bank account, and time is our currency. No one is rich, no one is poor. We've got 24 hours each. Oh, and money doesn't buy happiness. It does buy cold beers, though, and I just can't resist them. See you tomorrow. GMAX Morning Motivational Moment. Or something along those lines. There's so many to choose from. Yeah, just after 20 past 8 on this Wednesday morning's O2BM, brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Live from Qatar, it's a very good morning to Kevin Caban. Morning, Kev. Good morning, Shane. Hi, Ashlyn. How are you doing? Good morning, Kev. How are you? I'm good. All's well, thank you. All's You're living good. it up over there? <laughs> no, hardly. Hardly, I have mm. to say. Um, but to, just to be here last night, I wasn't at the game last night, but just to be here and even if I was in studio last night, I could have been in any studio in the world, but certainly being in Doha and, and witnessing the scenes afterwards after that performance last night, it was uh, it was very special to be here last night, yeah. You've got the Guinness Extra Stout t-shirt on, I think there. It's probably the closest you've You're always looking at what I wear. I, 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 I actually don't even, <laughs> it is actually the closest I've come to a pint of stout. And uh, I miss the Guinness in the rain, Shane, you know that. But anyway, um, I'm... Uh, I'm uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm very uh, very light on clothing at the moment, so I'm just grabbing anything I can get in the bag. Are you ready for home, or how are you feeling at this point? Oh, I've been ready for home probably since the day <laughs> I arrived. I have to say that, honest to God. Um, and you know, it sounds awful. You know yourself. You know, you're. At, I'm at a World Cup, and I've got to treasure it for all it's worth, and I've got mm-hmm. to remember what it was like as a nine-year-old kid watching his first World Cup in '86. You know, and but um, no, I, I do, I do miss home. I do actually, yeah, I do. It's um, you, you were listening to our argument, Maradona versus Messi. Not to age you or anything, Kev, but uh, you might yeah. you might recall yeah. Diego Maradona a little bit more than we would. Uh, is it a is it a comparable yeah. argument? Is it a fair argument? Yeah, I, I'm not quite in the bracket of uh, of Barry and Gilroy. You know, I'm not I'm not maybe that that, not old, that old, but, no, no, uh, but I did but I did go to I did go to school with no shoes though. I did actually did, go course. to school with no shoes. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, I, I mean, Maradona was probably my first hero as a kid. Um, I always remember, not long before the, the 1986 uh, World Cup, my dad came home from the pub like with, a, with an old VHS video recorder. We, you know, times were hard in the household, uh, Shane, as you can well imagine, you know. But um, my dad came home from the pub, whichever way he got it, knocked off a VHS video recorder. So... During that World Cup in 86, I used to have a VHS um, taping and I just randomly record any game. I was like, you know, I always remember that World Cup, you know, the famous Josimar goals, um, the Russian team, the French team from that World Cup, Joel Batsing goal, you know, like little names like this. But Maradona was like probably everything to me as a kid. He really was. Um, and I know you've probably, you know, I heard you guys talking before, I think sometimes you watch all the footage around Maradona and everything is just beautiful. You know, the pitches are crap. He's getting hacked down and things like this by every player possible, which of course is all true. And you, you do, you do maybe forget. And I'm maybe clouded by that as well. You forget about some of the, some of the, 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 the bad stuff. I'm sure he went through, he went through and maybe had five or six bad games on the bounce. But Maradona to me, was the ultimate footballer was the, was the player who I looked up to. And I always thought, this will never be surpassed, and I, I, you, you, you don't remember. You don't remember the Maradona era. I don't remember the Pelle era. I wasn't born during that era. When you know, my grandfather always said that um, that Pelle was the best, and my dad was always no George Best was always the greatest footballer. We can't forget the man from our own shores as well. In, in this argument, George Best mm-hmm. has to be certainly considered amongst these very best players. Um, but 
watching Messi and watching what he's doing now and watching how he's done it for such a long time and seeing just last night, I, I heard you guys describe it. We, you know, we can use all the words magic and genius and all this sort of thing, but do, does it not just make you feel great watching a game of football when you're watching Messi doing what he did in that second half? And he was quiet enough and he's had quite enough spells in this in this World Cup, but the second half was just incredible. It was just, it was magic. It was the stuff I used to, I watched as a kid and I, and I genuinely hope there was eight, nine, ten-year-old kids, boys and girls watching that, that game last night and just want to be, Mar- be, sorry, Lionel Messi. They just want to try and emulate what, what he did on, on the pitch and I hope they feel like I felt watching Maradona in 86 because last night was, was just so special. Jeez, I felt like getting a tiny violin out there when you started talking about VHS tapes and walking to school with, with no <laughs> shoes. Yeah. You probably had a TV to watch the moon landings on at least. Um, yeah, no, yeah, not, I, know, I know you're, a, you're, a, you know, you're, a, you're well into that Shane yourself, but no, um, I, I'm not that old, not quite that old actually. No. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on uh, on fans filming of matches? We were chatting about that earlier. Like some of the fan footage of Messi's goal last night was particularly memorable, but I guess the people have their opinions on, on yeah. uh, fo- fo- uh, phones out of matches. Yeah, some some people go crazy at it. I I I probably share the opinion of probably what you guys are saying. Certainly, what what, what Colin was saying early on as well. Like, I'm not bothered with it really. I wouldn't necessarily do it myself. The odd time I've been to a gig here and there, and I I whipped out the phone and, and recorded a few things, but I wouldn't necessarily sit there through a whole gig with my phone out. I it it, it would be spur of the moment thing, you know. The, your favorite song comes on or whatever it would be. And I think last night when I think you know I I went to watch. Um, I was I went to watch Messi actually in this tournament. I went to the uh, Argentina Poland game, which wasn't a great game. Uh, Messi missed a penalty in, in the game and things like that as well. But I, I've you know I've played you know so many games and you don't really appreciate the, the support around. You know I've actually just seen footage. It was actually sent to me um, yesterday. Just the national anthem during uh, the all uh, two game against Spain and. I was watching it half crying, you know, because you forget what the fans meant to us. And, you know, you, you kind of, it's hard to actually get that connection when you're on the pitch sometimes. But watching it, and it's the sort of feeling that I had again when I was a kid, watching the, the Irish games in Euro 88 and 90 and what the national anthem meant to, to our supporters and seeing the lads lined up. And that was always, to me, looking back on my career, was the most special uh, time in an Irish shirt, just standing there for the anthem. And, and that's the truth. And maybe just going back to the Messi thing, Messi, when, when Messi gets the ball, every single seat is just vacated. Everyone stands up, every single person, and they start like just, it's a little bounce and the stadium just starts to rock. It's almost like the stadium's just bouncing away with you when as soon as Messi gets the ball, and that's no matter where it is on the pitch. So I can only imagine what it, what it felt like in that stadium last night. You know, people, as you say, whipping out phones and desperate to get a glimpse of him. You, you get that feeling now that you're actually watching true greatness. And we, again, we can talk about any of the players that, Cruyff, as I said, Eusebio, um, Best, Pele, whoever, Maradona, whichever these players are your favourite of all time. But just being in the stadium when Messi was playing that night, and Messi was actually getting better and better. He was fairly quiet in the game, but he was getting better and better, and he's having some great moments in the game. And it was special to be in a stadium with Argentina fans watching Lionel Messi. And I think that's been the case probably throughout this tournament if you've been an Argentina fan or a neutral fan if you've gone to watch those games and I can only imagine what it was like in that stadium last night watching him and 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 seeing that greatness as I said but you're always going to be tempted to, to take a little take your phone out and take a picture and just, just see him because he's it is greatness and it, it's something that's almost untouchable really 
Yeah, I think that's it. If it's a once in a lifetime thing, like if it's messy, you know, I'm going to take a video. I'm absolutely going to take a video. You know, when's this going to happen again? But as you were saying yeah. there, Kev, just bringing back memories, I suppose, for you. Like when you're there in the in the hotel, I know I think you had said to Joe during the week that Brazil were, were in the hotel you were staying in. So you're obviously, yeah. you were seeing a lot of them and obviously covering a lot of the games. It must bring back a lot of fond memories. Does it bring back, I suppose, wishing that you were still out there, wishing you still had those times or, or how do you feel about all of that? Yeah, I, I, it was absolutely the greatest against Spain and it was just like a, a, a clip montage of Damien Duff against Spain and it was just like a, a, a clip montage of Damien Duff against Spain and it was just like, we, we forget how great, you know, how brilliant a footballer Damien Duff was and I know that he's well loved now, he's, he's, he's obviously doing great stuff on RTE and you know, he's straight talking is what what draws us all to him. But Duffer was just incredible football. He was, and, you know, it was a total pleasure for me to play alongside him. So those days, you know, too, were absolutely very special. I think since I finished playing and I started to cover the, to cover the World Cup, you know, I think this is now my third World Cup that, that I've actually covered and or been at, It's um, it takes you back to the times of of 86 watching Maradona and watching the Irish team in, in 90 you guys are probably you're too young to even remember 90 but 90 had a real effect on me personally again I go back to you know watching the team for the national anthem for the first game against England both at Euro 88 and 90 those those two opening games that, that we had at the tournament and they, they changed my life and what I wanted to, to do and, and how I saw my, my future. And, you know, again, it was, a, it was a distant dream. It was absolutely way beyond me at the time. And I think being at this World Cup, I said, it just, it just brings back those memories and, and what it actually means. And, you know, people are always going to debate which is the greatest World Cup anyone's ever watched. But probably the greatest World Cup for me w- w- probably will be 90. And some of the football at that was probably drab at times. And some of the, you know, everyone will always talk about the Ireland-Egypt game being a horrendous game to watch and things like that. Even the Dutch game, you know, at times, you know, they played out a draw because they, they knew that they were both qualified. But there's just such special memories in my life. And that's what being here at this World Cup probably brings me back to when I become a little bit nostalgic, really. There was the Irish Times column you had earlier this month, Kev, from uh, from the World Cup, where you're, you were referencing that uh, Argentina-Ireland game at Lansdowne in 2010. I mean, you marked Messi out of it, let's not forget. <laughs> I can't, yeah. Shane, come on now, I can't talk about that. But if you want me to talk about it, I will, of course. You of course, know? yeah, yeah. I've, um, brought, I've brought it up now, so you might as well. <laughs> You have to. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's it's great that I can actually say, look, I've played against him, and um, we have a guy called Julian de Guzman, uh, who's an ex-Canadian international, who's on our panel here when we when we're doing the games, and he played in Spain. He plays for Deportivo La Coruña, and he played against Messi a, a handful of times. And you know, it's great to share experience with him. Messi was probably trying in the games that he was playing against him, but. It's it's it is it, it's great for me personally just to say that I you know I, I was actually on the pitch and you know I, I I played against Ronaldo and I played against some of the greats you know um, Luis Figo Zidane Henri you know the the list is probably endless even you know the great Brazilian Ronaldo Ronaldinho when they came to Dublin once you know I've probably you know I've been proud to have played against some of the great greatest players certainly from my era and, and maybe from any era as well but. Um, 
I think Messi, when I played against him that night, Shane, I think he, I think he was probably just in there for a bit of a, a bit of crack, you know. That was it. <laughs> Not at all. Don't don't do yourself to out of a out of a proper performance. But he didn't like score. He didn't score, and he was subbed off after about fifty-seven minutes. So I, I don't want to blow my own trumpet here, Shane. You know. He's in, done. Yeah, he was in your pocket, man. <laughs> <laughs> just when you name Not out all of those players like Figo, I, yeah. like that is unbelievable to have played against all of them. Like, oh. yeah. I, I, I think we had. I think we had. No, we had. We had. A, we had a special team, mm-hmm. honestly, with with the Irish side, and you know, we we didn't just play against Figo. We went and we went and really competed against mm-hmm. them, and you know, in, in in spells during certain games, we outplayed them. Probably the the luckiest we ever had, or the luckiest result that we ever got, was probably in the uh, in the O2 qualification. Was it two thousand and one when Roy Keane scored against Portugal? Because they they did outplay us. Um, Portugal in Dublin that day Figo was playing Rui Costa and I still say Rui Costa probably the greatest individual performance I've ever seen against any Irish side to be honest with you the, the performance he put in against us and I think I think Brini was playing that day and Brini said like he's the best striker I've ever played against because he, he, Rui Costa was was that good he was that good What made him so good um, Rui Costa that day? Um, I, and again, you know what, Shane? It's hard to even really remember now. I just remember thinking during the game, God, this guy is, is unstoppable in the match. You know, every time he got the ball, he'd he'd invariably beat one of our players. He'd be, you know, creating you know creating a chance with an unbelievable pass. He was maybe taking shots on from distance and, and whatever he was doing. Uh, I think he created the goal. I think it was Figo actually scored against us that day in Dublin. Uh, but I think he created the goal. But he, it was just—it's—it's it's hard, really. I left—you know—it's one of those you'd have to watch back at the game to really get a, a feeling for how good uh, Rui Costa was that day. But I, I just remember coming into the dressing room after the game, and the lads all saying, "Oh my God, this guy!" You know, because all the talk from us was because Figo was in direct competition with, with Ian Hart and, uh, and I down the left hand side, and and Harty and I had a really good combination together. How we used to work things and. We, we genuinely didn't fear anyone we were going to be playing against. We, we just felt like between the two of us, one of us would take them out of the game and we'd be able to get each other into the game one way or another. And Figo wasn't actually the issue for us that day. We, we I felt that Harty did a great job on, on Figo, but it was Rui Costa that was just absolutely sensational. And I just remember going into the dressing room and everyone just talking about this, oh, geez, what a player, what, a, what an unbelievable player. And I think through that, through that campaign and maybe around it, we, we we had obviously we played the Dutch, the well-known Dutch, but they had some brilliant players as well. That that Dutch side as well. When we went when we went and, and took those on, but we I think we had a, we had a real patch for a few years that we should have achieved more. I think we look back on that side. I think we all maybe accept that we should have achieved more. Whatever happened with with that side, but uh, it was special times playing against great players, but also having some pretty special players within our side too. Ashley referenced uh, Brazil having been in your, your hotel so I'm sure there are plenty of Brazil fans around but uh, the Argentinian fans yeah. are adding a different level of spice to this whole thing Yeah, there's, yeah Brazil are obviously well supported and Ashley uh, was just saying we, we, we actually haven't seen them actually at all any Brazil player you, you're probably not even seen any member of staff our hotel was totally locked off to the Brazilian squad so it's kind of almost split into two so we, we never saw them at all during this World Cup Um but the fans themselves, our hotel has been a bit chaotic at times because the fans trying to see Neymar and, and whoever from that Brazil side. Um, but around Doha, since being here, there's been the only team that I could say in terms of, of, of being well supported is, is Morocco. Morocco fans seem to be everywhere and have been everywhere since the tournament started. But as the tournament's progressed, it's been Argentina fans. Honestly, God, yesterday... 
I have never seen so many Messi shirts in my life. And I'm sure that's a general case when anyone goes to watch an Argentina game, you know, whether you'll go and watch them in Buenos Aires or wherever around the world, everybody wants to come and see Messi. Of course they do when, when you're going, when, uh, when Argentina's in town, but it's a, honestly, it's ridiculous. The amount of Argentina shirts here, they have to be the best supported side here. Now we'll, we'll probably wait and see till tonight for that Morocco France game. And we'll probably see Morocco jerseys everywhere, but I think the consist the consistent thing over the last week, maybe ten days, it's been Argentina everywhere. Like our, our studios down in in in, in Souk Wakif, which is the marketplace down here, and Argentina fans everywhere. They're just going through in in thousands, just singing all day. You know the atmosphere and, and the colour that they're bringing. It, it, it's it's really special seeing those fans here. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the videos that I saw is definitely Argentina fans. Even there and back in Argentina, there's been some unbelievable footage coming out of there as well. Yeah, and I saw some of that, that some of that footage, yeah, too. Yeah, you've mentioned Morocco. So Morocco, France tonight. You tipped actually Morocco in in the quarterfinal. Mm. No, said so, so last sixteen. I actually tipped Portugal last thing. I, I thought. Oh, the, sorry. I thought Look Portugal at me. Would have, Forget would have about had that. Too yes. much. No, I tipped. <laughs> I, t- I tipped them. I tipped them to beat Spain. I fancied them to beat Spain. Sorry, that's um, right. Yeah. And, and and you know what, Ash, it was just because I saw them in the group and, I, and I'd watched them an awful lot coming into the tournament. And because of, because they're in Canada's group that we had to get, I was probably much more knowledgeable on on, on the, that group in, in particular. I'd probably watched Morocco maybe 15, 20 times in a lot of the games that they played. And I the Canadians were coming into the group going, look, you know, if we can get anything from Belgium and Croatia, we're, we're going to be okay. And I think we'd, we'd all said right from the start, like, you know, when you start to watch them thinking, lads, this, this team are, are, are something serious. They're, they're a special team. They've got great players. Uh, I think the standout, as we know, is, is Hakimi. I know Ziyech was in there, but Ziyech wasn't in for a long time, of course. If you, if, you, if you don't forget, he wasn't even in the squad for such a long time. So Hakimi and, and one or two others that were in, in that side, and we're looking at them going, Amrabat, even when we're watching games, going, I tell you what, these are going to have a, a chance of, of doing something. I didn't think they'd get to a semi-final, I have to say that, but... I fancied them. If any team was going to was going to break that um, that uh, Croatia Belgium like uh, mm-hmm. group and maybe split them, I fancied Morocco to do it. I thought that they had players capable to, to go and do something, and then they did get out. And then I saw the way that Spain played, and I thought this this Moroccan side can actually cope because they've got a way to soak up the way that pl- the Spain play. A lot of Spain's uh, possession was in front of sides. And I thought they've got a real, the real chance here. It, it was a little bit of an educated guess, but if Spain turn up, Spain beat them. I think we all accept that. But I just thought they've got a chance here. And then when they got to Portugal, I thought, nah, it might be too much them because they've still got injuries. They've got one or two that are not actually, uh, they're not actually quite right to play the games. Um, Saiz was injured before the game into last game, but ended up playing and didn't feel quite right. That partnership of of Saiz and, and, and Aguirre, the, the uh, centre-half partnership, have been brilliant. Amrabat in front of, of him, Onahi in that midfield as well. And that's a side of Hakimi and Ziyech who have been brilliant as well. Um, and Nezrae up front, I mean, the goal that he scored against Portugal, what, what a team. They've got a really, really top-class team, all playing in some of the best leagues around Europe, top five leagues, top clubs around Europe. So they were never a team to take lightly, I think, coming into the tournament. Um but I'm probably going to go back to my prediction before the Portugal game that I think this might be a step too far. I, I can't see them beating France. Seeing that France-England game and the level that that game was played at, I think this might be a step too far. And I think they're a little bit more loose 
when they don't have the ball than than um, than even England were. So I think they'll leave a few gaps for Mbappe or more gaps for Mbappe. Griezmann, arguably the best player this tournament. Maybe if I know we're looking at Messi now, of course we've had to say Messi and Mbappe scored some great goals. But even within that French side, Griezmann has matched Mbappe for work rate, for ability, for the ability to create chances and everything like that that goes with it. So. I, th- I just think that France tonight will probably just shade that game. I, I, I fancy France to win it, actually. That Hakimi-Mbappe battle at least should be, should be quite interesting given they're so close. Yeah. I know, and I think we're all looking forward to that one. We, 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 I'm looking at a bit of analysis around it tonight to see how Hakimi does against him. Because I, I think we look at Hakimi getting forward and he's brilliant, he's so powerful and he gets beyond... Um, the opposition like defence backline, even though that is in a fullback, he plays high and wide at times. But he's quite disciplined actually when he plays within that role because he's got to break from deep line positions because of how deep uh, Morocco defend. But um, he's 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 so good getting forward. But will his mindset tonight be look? This guy's too good. I have to actually sit in. And we looked at the panic really around even France's first goal that that happened with with England when they were when they were trying to get back into position. They see Mbappe on the ball. That he attracts three three England players to him. Will that be the case tonight? Where three or four Moroccans are attracted to Mbappe? He frees up Griezmann. Dembele's been brilliant. Of course, Giroud's been brilliant as well. I just think that front line for um, for France will be too good outside of that Mbappe um, Hakimi um, matchup tonight. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. Yeah, Morocco at this point they've only conceded one goal. So defensively, they have been quite solid. Yeah. But you mentioned Drew there. He's a player that just constantly seems to go under the radar. Like, it's, it's a strange. And obviously, you have Mbappe, you have Griezmann, but he constantly just goes under the radar. Maybe he likes it that way. Yeah, I think I think he does. Uh, obviously, we, we know he overtook Henri's goal-scoring record. I think Griezmann overtook his, his assist record for France as well. So there's not too many Irishmen that are too unhappy about that record going for, for Henri, are we? We have to say that. Um, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I, was, I was happy for Drew. I was really happy for Drew because... I think he he doesn't get a fur he doesn't get a fur crack of the whip at times. I think we look at we look at him in England and we we judge him. Some I, I think honestly I do think around Premier League football and I think even within England there's a real snobbery to other to other leagues around Europe and you know they can almost dismiss every other league that we have the best league in the world and we've got to we've got to look at every league and on its on its merits I suppose you say not to quote um, John Giles the great John Giles himself at times but we have to look at every league and say look. They can bring different things, and look what I think. Look what Griezmann did to England in that last game. That were were hell bent on looking at you. Maybe sometimes who's playing England? Who who like? I think we do it because we have a we have a, a, a Premier League bias. I think because we've we've got our you know we've got so much coverage of it in Ireland. But I I honestly think that. That, that that player when they go abroad, I think uh, when they go into a different league, and you see that he almost inspired AC Milan to to, to Serie A title uh, last season. The goals that he scored as well, big goals for for AC Milan outside of what he did actually in the Premier League, because he he did actually very very good things in at times being asked to to be the second striker when he was at Arsenal and at Chelsea. And Giroud has been second striker at times. You know we've looked at it that. I think, honestly, six weeks ago, from what I was reading, and I, I'm, I'm looking at that French squad, and it looks like Giroud's not even going to be in that squad. He's probably going to be just phased out of it because of, of Griezmann, because of, of Kunde. Sorry, not Griezmann, because of Benzema. 
and because of, of um, who's the guy in Cuckoo, sorry, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, from from Leipzig, they look like they're going to be the number nines, and mm. Giroud will be third choice, so he's probably not going to get selected, and they're going to look elsewhere. All of a sudden, those two get injured. He then becomes so relevant to, to Didier Deschamps, and he can't overlook Giroud. He has to, he has to play him, but. You can see what it actually means to all those players as well. You can see what he means to those players when he when he broke the record. And honestly, I, he's had an amazing career. I think he's probably going to play for another few years yet because of the style of his game. Hasn't really changed since he was 24. He's never really had the greatest amount of pace with with all due respect to him. And I think he's a player that that can actually play on. And he, he, we may even see him at the Euros in in, uh, in 18 months' time with France. I think he's, he's just been an incredible, maybe ambassador for football. When you look at, you know, we all look at, again, we look at Messi, we look at Mbappe, we look at these great players, yet it takes other players around teams at times to bring the best out of the, the, the great players, the truly great players. And I think Giroud is one of those guys. Finally, Kev, uh, Gareth Southgate, should he stay or should he go? Uh, he's referenced the booze and the... At Molyneux mm. earlier in the year, and, and and I guess the other question is, who, who do you bring in? A lot of calls for an English only yeah. manager. What's your take on it? Um, I think maybe you know it's only eighteen months to the Euros. Maybe he deserves a, a crack at the Euros, but only because we you know in, in a year's time we'll probably know who who's at the Euros. I'm not too sure when the playoffs are actually going to be for the Euros. Will they will they actually be into 2024? They might be actually early 2024, but. We're going to know by and large who's going to be at the Euros um, in, in a year's time from now. There's not an awful lot of time for a new coach to come in and prepare that side. It might be the, the end of, of his cycle within that side. It's not a lot of a time between now and then. So I think he probably should stay on. I think I think he's probably earned a bit of goodwill. I think he's, he's certainly made that English side more likeable, I think, even to us. I can't say I was too disappointed they went out. I have to say that. Uh, when, when they start to get too close to winning it, my heart starts to beat and I get this real <laughs> knot in my stomach. And that's been ingrained in me since I was maybe watching Maradona in 86 beating England. I, I got great delight in that. You know, that was uh, that was maybe when that dread started or set in. You know, even seeing England play uh, Germany in Italian 90. And, you know, it was well set in at that stage that I wanted England to lose. So, um I think they become more likable, and I kind of feel sorry for Harry Kane to an extent. Oh, I do feel sorry for Harry Kane. Uh, so I think I think I think Southgate probably does deserve that last that last chance. I think really because of the the lack of time really between now and then when that when that Euros comes around in twenty twenty four. I don't think myself or Ashley are going to disagree with you on the uh, the England take and not wanting them to to go all the way, <laughs> uh, although they are likable. Uh, Kev, great stuff as always. Thanks a million. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, Ashley. Thanks, Kev. Enjoy the match tonight, of course, 8.48am on this Wednesday morning, 8pm. Time to say very good morning to John Duggan. Morning, John. Shane, Ashley, how are we doing? Good We're morning, keeping John. Well. It's, uh, it's all messy this morning, isn't it? It's, it's, a, messy, so. it's a messy wonderland. <laughs> We're all living in his world, yes. it turns out. Um, that's one of the best performances we've... I, we were saying it earlier, John, like he seems to be getting progressively better each game. It's built up for a, for a big final from the lad. Well, I'd say that he still has it. Uh, he's not the player he was uh, in terms of the, the pace, but he still has that burst of acceleration at times and, and the vision and I would say the leadership uh, and the happiness. And I think w- having seen him play four years ago, he was not a happy camper in that Argentina team because he was carrying the whole team on his shoulders and the whole uh, environment was chaotic. Whereas now, Lionel Scaloni's done a very good job, who's a tactically assured manager even though doesn't have much experience he keeps on making good changes in this World Cup and Messi's got a lot more um, 
talented players around him, like Alvarez obviously is one of them, but also these kind of players like a Fernandez, De Paul, Paredes in the midfield that are better players than they would have had a few years ago. Um, and I think winning the Copa in Brazil, in Rio, winning that tournament was the first uh, Argentinian team to win a Copa since 1993, especially where they won at the Maracanã has taken a bit of the heat off him, the bit of the weight off the shoulders in terms of the legacy part of it. And now uh, you can see that freedom in his performances and the less weight. And then you can see even the way he took that penalty uh, last night. Like that was a penalty uh, taken without any pressure. It was just messy on autopilot back to the Barcelona days. And um, you don't know what's going to happen if it is France mm. and and how much space he will get. But I did watch him quite a lot on his own last night and he does just walk around and then look for the space. Uh, but he's so good that they can deal with that. Where's the, where is he in the, the, the... We were kind of having the Messi Maradona argument this morning. You'll, you'll Not to age you again, John, but uh, remember a little bit of Maradona possibly. Like, Is it unfair to compare the two? I don't think it's unfair, but I, I, I don't think there's a necessarily right answer either. And I didn't uh, have the privilege to see Pele. So Pele won three World Cups, and from people I've spoken to who are older than me, they would have said that Pele is just as good as, as anybody who's ever played the game. Um, I was Maradona was my first World Cup. I was seven years of age, and I was utterly mesmerised. And I put it on Twitter there, Maradona against Belgium 1986, just that performance for the whole game. Different type of player to Messi. Maradona was a he ran matches physically everywhere you know box to box he ran games Messi um, decides games almost in a different way mm. like Messi Messi's Messi finishes matches Maradona ran games so in the 1986 final Maradona was marked out of the game by Lothar Matthias of West Germany for nearly the whole match but then sends the magic ball through to Borussia to score the winner also, Maradona's uh, uh, time at the top was probably only worth, we're talking about 10 years. Messi's, what, over 15 years. Mm. So there is, there is a consistency aspect to Messi that Maradona didn't have. Maradona was pretty much done as a player in his early 30s, pretty much gone after the 1990 World Cup. Uh, obviously, he got involved with the drug scene in Naples and all that kind of, uh, those issues were, were, were pretty evident with, with Maradona. Um, and even the, the comeback in 1994 was 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 not a real comeback, as it mm. were, because of what happened. Given he was he tested positive for banned substance, so Maradona's uh, tenure was shorter. He played on worse pitches by far. Fair he was, point, he yeah. was kicked mm-hmm. all over the shop, uh, and also he had that. As I said, he ran things. He went to Naples, a club that had never won the Italian league, and he won two Italian leagues, mm. and he won a UEFA Cup. Could Messi have gone to a club and? that had never won anything and won a uh, title for that club on his own uh, with players around him of a, of a lesser quality uh, that it weren't Iniesta or Xavi. He's just a very, very different type of player. And it's very hard to compare the two. For me, Maradona, because I think if Maradona was playing now with the protection he'd have, with the pitches he'd be playing on, uh, with maybe a better environment that he wouldn't be um, so suffocated by fame because famous seems to be a bit more spread out Whereas if you watch the Maradona movie, the suffocating nature of fame by being this utterly global superstar yeah. and uh, this religious figure. He's actually a religious figure in, in Naples. Um, so that's why I, I would think that Maradona can do things with the ball I don't think I've ever seen anybody do. Messi can do things 
in a different way. Like Messi had that dribbling ability, that acceleration. I think about Messi as well. The goals would be almost the ball would be in the net before he even even blinked. Yeah, uh, and that's one of the hallmarks. I remember of him at Barcelona. So uh, it's a very hard thing to compare. But and, but I think a lot of people will be looking at Messi's longevity, and uh, um, whereas I'm looking at Maradona's ability to control and run things and run a whole team through a World Cup. But Messi now at 35, obviously he's not exactly the player he was, but he still had the biggest influence last night in the semi-final. What else can you ask for? Mm, we had yeah, the... I don't think there's any right answer. It's probably the... <laughs> yeah, but I can tell you one thing. He's a far better player, Messi, and he'll have a far bigger legacy than Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo is a supreme athlete who's a goal scorer. Mm, different type I of agree, player. agree, John. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Messi uh, influenced... Uh, Messi... Messi influenced how the game is played and the legacy of the game and, and great teams. Like Ronaldo, um, it doesn't just come to, to my mind immediately what Ronaldo did uh, uh, as a Champions League winner, uh, even though he has been one with Real Madrid and Manchester United. Whereas when I think about Messi, I'm just thinking about 2009, 2011 immediately with Barcelona and with that great team. Um, no, Ronaldo, the Ronaldo-Messi debate is not a debate for me. It doesn't, it doesn't exist as a debate. Because you're just talking about statistics versus actually what you see with your eyes. Yeah, it's the excitement in, in watching the two of them play as well, isn't it? Like we were talking about the. And I don't think Ronaldo is a good. Um, like Messi, I know he got a bit heated against the Dutch and I didn't think he covered himself in glory. But generally, he's been quite a. Um, a quiet. Um, he's just done his talking on the pitch. Yeah, he's been humble and all. Yeah, there's, there's a humility now, whether. You know, obviously, he's got that massive ego. Like, the, you know, you hear the stories of him just saying, give me the ball. But there, but there is uh, with 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 Messi. You could see even last night and all the embraces and whatever. He is a team player, much more so than Ronaldo. Ronaldo is uh, somebody that has been uh, obsessed with his own um, brand and his own career to I think the detriment of his image. Where do you sit, John, on the um, the camera phones at matches? We we got the perfect angle of. Well, it wasn't as good as the Tony Kelly. Um, Fair, yeah. um, that's <laughs> that was such the, a good point. That's <laughs> some of the best thing I've seen all year. That tone, that that uh, camera phone of Tony Kelly and Limerick and Clare, where it was just like even if I watched it back last night, the, um, just the I was down there that day. The weather, like the murky weather, the rain and the the, the hissing and the the booing of Tony Kelly, and then it, it was over like that. Um, I don't mind. I, got, I don't mind watching it. I think there's probably rights issues around it, to be honest. Uh, so I think people want to be careful about what they do. With, 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 <laughs> yeah, with, we didn't think of this. <laughs> yeah, so I'm always thinking about like in those terms. But uh, um, so I, I, I was delighted to see it because it was such an amazing video. Mm. But what I'd be doing it myself, um, I'm sure I have done it. Uh, but I wouldn't be I'm going off. I wouldn't. Yeah. Be, I wouldn't be going on my way to record things. I think memory should be in your mind, yeah. not on a. I'm not going to start using bad language here on a camera phone. Yeah, it's fair. It's fair. Um, you know what, what? What? Why does everything have to be recorded for posterity? So you can what you can put on social media and get some likes. Now I'm one of these people who does the social media stuff anyway. So, um, but I, I don't really like if you're getting something funny. Like Owen Sheehan, you know, I think got something at the was it the Galway Kerry game or something this year? He got oh, something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he get the melee or something like that? Galway Armagh. Galway Armagh game oh yes yeah 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 so how could we forget if, if you get something interesting if you're at something and you, well I, I'm going to capture this there's a bit of journalism to it yes uh, 100% uh, but that's if, what I was doing but, yeah. but if you're if you're just getting it for well I'm going to now there's a, I'm at the penalty shootout and I'm behind the goal and I'm going to take the penalty shootout on my phone I don't really see the um, you can enjoy the penalty shootout if that's what you're doing yeah, well, 
well, also, what happens if you don't capture it correctly or whatever? It's, to me, I just think I'm going to these things to remember, not to, uh, not to have it on a phone as a recorded image. Otherwise, why don't I just record off the TV? Yeah, mm. I agree with you, John. Uh, briefly, what else is happening, John? Uh, France-Morocco tonight. Uh, will there be hassle in the castle in Paris? Um, because, I love it. Uh, obviously, there's a, there's a tension at the moment between the governments of Morocco and France, and there's a 44-year protectorate that France had in Morocco until it became independent in 1956. Even the coach uh, you know, was raised in France, uh, the Moroccan coach. So um, it's been an amazing story. Uh, I think it might be a bit too far for them. Morocco, but you just never know. Um, and obviously a lot of profiles being written about Mbappe and Messi. They both have five goals now in the tournament in the World Cup. It's Qatar's dream, isn't it, as the uh, mm-hmm. backers of PSG to have a Messi and Mbappe final at three o'clock on uh, Sunday. And it'll be a very interesting final if it does happen that way. But Morocco still, with their 32% possession, a very solid defensive unit and uh, ability to frustrate teams are, are there between themselves and France. Um I just think France is savvy. France have obviously now won a World Cup and um, they, they, they've been able to find a way to get it done. And um, I can't really see anything but a France victory this evening. Called it here. You heard it here first, John. Great yeah, stuff. the Morocco dream is over. Uh, uh, <laughs> Give them till tonight at least. Come yeah. on. But you've only be, conceded one goal. Anything can happen. It. Well, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Remains to be seen. You've been enjoying it anyway. Love oh, it. it's been brilliant, yeah. Sadly, it's all over, and it's over on Sunday. It's going to be. Well, I mean, the thing about this Winter World Cup, and I know it does disrupt club seasons, but the club, the clubs have their own political and PR agenda around that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't have any issue with the Winter World Cup. Mm-hmm. It's only once every four years. I, I had no issue with the fact that the time of year is being played. The Qatar thing, obviously, as I said to somebody, I said like, "What price a ticket uh, for the final?" And somebody came back with uh, thousands dead. You know, yeah, um, and that still can't be. Um, it can't be put too much to the back of our minds, given, given obviously the, the that the sports washing works, yeah, uh, and 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 that you know we all want to see Messi win on Sunday. Of course, it'll be a cracking final either way. John, great stuff. All right, Ashley and Shane. Perfect. Uh, approaching nine a.m. on this uh, this Wednesday morning. Just want to bring one of the headlines from the back pages, back page of the Times. Ashley, Ten Hag, Sancho not fit, just the seventy-three million pounds. Uh, and he's over in the Netherlands. He's not with the United team over in Spain on their pre-season or, or mid-season trip, but uh, he's instead training with a couple of coaches in the Netherlands, apparently just not fit. It's and a, why did they say what's happening there? He had a good start of the season, then he started to tail off, and Sancho or Ten Hag was asked on the pre-season trip, like, is he, is he injured or what's the crack? And he's basically saying, no, he's not injured, he's just not in the shape we want him to be in. Yeah. So that's kind of worrying news for United fans, uh, and for Jadon Sancho particularly, because... I'm sure he's upset not to be at the World Cup given he was... This is probably what it is. It's probably a mind thing. Yeah, because he was at the Euros and an important part of that England team at the Euros as well. Like That's such a blow for players. And like this is the pinnacle of the game, so you want to be there. So I'd say it's a, it's a mental thing to get over that and, yeah, to, to get himself right again. Oh. Maybe come January time. Exactly. He'll come yeah. back refreshed. Remains to be seen. Now it is time for this. Jess Kelly's... That music, I love it. It's fantastic. Jess Kelly's Christmas gaming gift guide in partnership with Virgin Media. Bring your A game with 99.9% broadband reliability. Good morning, Jess. Good morning, how are we? News Talks Technology yes. correspondent, of course. Um, this week, we yes. are looking at PS5 and Xbox. So yeah. what, what, are the dif- what are the differences? What should people be going for? Well, I think, as we talked about briefly last week, there are gamers who found their ecosystem and they're never going to move from that ecosystem. So if they're a PS gamer or if there's a PC gamer, sorry, or if they're a Switch user or if they're Xbox or PlayStation, they're never going to move. So this segment 
is not for you. Keep watching. You can judge me in the comments. There's no issue with that. But this is not for you. This is for everyone else who is either contemplating what console to get for themselves or a loved one. Or maybe there are conversations about what console Santa should bring uh, in the house. I know one of your OTB colleagues was on to me yesterday uh, about this very issue. So I thought it was good to kind of talk through the differences because not only are there PlayStation and Xbox consoles, there's also variations of the PlayStation and the Xbox consoles. So for those who don't know, there is the PS5, so the PlayStation 5, and then the PS5 Digital Edition. Shane, you may remember last week we were talking a little bit about how gaming has changed. Mm. So it's not really, uh, you know, just about going to the store and buying a physical copy anymore. You can now download a whole host of games. The Xbox Pass that we mentioned last week, you can kind of download and stream games to a certain extent as well. So they brought out the digital edition to try and bring the cost down. Um, And the key difference between it and the flagship PS5 is that there's no disk drive. I don't know, like, would that matter to you if you didn't have the disk so, drive? So is this, you, you wouldn't have the console itself? No, you'd have the console, but you wouldn't be putting discs in, you'd yeah, just be downloading okay. the games. This is like the, the people who like reading books and like reading e-books, like, do you 100%, want the physical copy? 100%, yeah, that's it. Oh, I, I 100% would want the physical copy. Would you? Yeah, big time, just to see the cover and the retroness and what pass do you it on think, to my Ash? kids. I, like, I'm not a gamer whatsoever, Jess. Now okay. I'm illiterate when it comes to this, so I'm learning a lot here. <laughs> okay, but let's talk about it in, in the way that I talk about it. So my boyfriend is a big gamer, and I wanted to get the digital editions just because it would mean we would have less games everywhere in the apartment. Right. Yes, less clutter. Less clutter. I'm all about the less clutter. Now, the only thing is, and it's a good thing this is a Virgin Media thing, is that you need good broadband to have the digital games. Yeah. You need to have a high-powered connection because there is nothing worse than getting the digital version of a console and then spending 48 hours trying to download a game on, like, dial-up speed it is beyond painful. Uh, but in terms of the internal spec, there's not a massive difference between the flagship and the digital edition. I think the digital edition would do the job for the majority of people. Right. There will be people like you, Shane, who will want the physical well, copies of things. You're talking about clutter, but I mean, you know the way people have bookshelves and they yeah. don't even touch the books, but it just looks good. It like looks it's, good. It's, I was going to say it actually looks good with the, the yeah, games. Yeah, I like the know? games, it the colour. Like it might be like 10, but when you get to like 75 <laughs> games and you're trying to <laughs> like hang done. your laundry out the window because there's no space in the house, that's when you get into problem territory, you know? The other thing to note though as well, the downside to the digital edition, and again, I'm a fan of the digital edition, is that, you know, say if you were playing a game, Shane, and you just finished it, and we wanted to do, like, a game swap or whatever, you can't do that with the digital downloads. That's true. It's associated with your account. Yeah. So that is something to be mindful of. Um, But, I mean, it's coming with a hell of a lot of storage. Uh, The the downside, as I said, is that you're not having the disk drive, which does double up as a uh, Blu-ray player. So if you're still somebody like me in their mid-70s who watches DVDs, um, (laughs) it could be beneficial to have that. The other thing that I would say is that they increased the price of the PlayStation not so long ago, which is a pain Uh, in the face. So the uh, flagship edition, so the PS5 with the disk drive, went up from 499.99 to 549.99. So that's a significant, like, that's a 50 quid jump. Yeah. That's a lot. For the same console, if you manage to get your hands on one. Shane, do you have a PS5? Uh, my brother has a PS5. It's always been a PS house as opposed to Xbox. Okay, controversial. But okay. I know that's controversial. Mm. And there's a lot of rivalry there. Yeah. Like the, the only thing that strikes me about this is so the digital version is cheaper, but you need to 
by storage, a hell of a lot of storage. Well, it comes with a good bit of storage right, right. on the device built in, um, but obviously that is capped. So, like, the good thing about the digital games is that you can... It's kind of like having um, apps on your phone, so you can have the full version or you can offload it so that, like, the, the template of the game is there, but if you wanted to go in and play it, you'd have to re-download it again. So you can have your cloud-based library and then you can have your on-device library. Again, internet connectivity is super important here. But I, I do think the digital edition would, would take the jo- uh, tick the box for most people. Getting your hands on a PS5 has been one of the biggest, most controversial stories I've covered in my 10 years as a journalist. Is it still as bad this Christmas as it ever was? It's not as bad, but it's still bad, right? And people who are wondering why, it's a very good question. I could replay Tech Talk from this time two years ago talking about PS5 shortages and a lot of it would still stand. So there were... Issues with the supply chain from the outset. The demand was unprecedented. This was the first PlayStation console in many, many, many years. The hype was there. They'd done a lot of build-up to it, and they just couldn't fulfil the the demand. Then, obviously, this little thing called COVID happened. There was also the semiconductor shortage, um, which is... Something that's not just impacting tech, like it's impacting, you know, consoles, laptops, but also cars, like these conductors are in everything now. So that delayed the production even more. Interestingly, last week, the head of Sony PlayStation said that they have finally resolved the issues. And while you may think, okay, that's going to help Santa out a lot, he's saying it'll solve the issue by Q1 of 2023. So I've had a look around the Irish retailers this morning and very, very few of them have the PS5 in stock. But there's a Twitter account that's worth following if you are on the hunt or if you want to just give Santa a nudge and maybe give him the heads up on this as well. It's at PS5 underscore Ireland. I'll tweet it out and get the OTB account to retweet it as well. But basically, they repost updates if they hear a store is getting stock. So, you know, if they hear that a GameStop somewhere in Cork is going to get stock, they will push it out. What I would say is... If you get the notification that there is one in stock or if you happen into a store and stumble upon one, don't be like, oh, I'll come back in an hour, I'll get the rest of the shopping first because these things will fly out the door. So if you get your hands on one, um, I would just snap it up as, as quickly as possible. Just I forgot to mention actually the price for the digital edition. Yeah. So it went up as well from three nine 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 to four nine 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 nine. So or for, sorry, four four nine. Uh, still so fifty quid rise. Fifty again. quid up, but it's still significantly cheaper. It's still a hundred quid cheaper than the the main edition. So look, the options are there. I think there are gamers who will just want the flagship device because it is all singing, all dancing. I remember the day setting up our PS Five at home. And there's like a demo game that comes on it. It's like Astro's World or Astro something. It's this little robot looks like Wally, and the graphics are incredible. The controller, you can see how much they put into the controller in terms of the feedback you get, in terms of the sound that comes from the uh, the controller. Like if you get one, you will absolutely love it. But the key thing is getting your paws on one. I didn't think I'd feel so strongly about this, but now that you bring it up, I'm like, 100% you need the physical games. Really? Like this is, maybe it's the old man in my body. I like Sorry, you're the, 12. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the swapping aspect, because it is yeah. expensive mm. to buy them. With your mates, of course. Yeah, I do always remember that. I'm not a big gamer, as I said, but I always do remember people swapping. Yeah. Because they're pricey. Yeah. They're so pricey yeah. still. Like it's not, it can be 90 quid, anywhere from 60 to 90 quid yeah, for a like, title. 
That sets you back. Two versions of the Xbox as well, isn't there? Yeah, there are. So there's the Xbox Series S and the Xbox Series X. Now, there are a few more differences between the two consoles. But again, as I said at the top, I would say the majority of gamers would get on just fine with the Series S. So similar enough to the PlayStation lineup, uh, there's the digital-only version, which is the S, and then the X has the 4K Blu-ray player. Uh, there's slightly more RAM in the X, so it's slightly more powerful, essentially. You're getting all the bells and whistles in the Series X, and you're making a few compromises along the way with the S. They're subtle enough, though, that I think it would have to be the nerdiest of the nerds that would really notice it. If you are a young gamer, if this is your first console, or if you don't want to spend, you know, half a month's rent on, on an Xbox, um, I think the Series S is the way to go. A thing that some gamers do comment on is the um, resolution and the refresh rate. So the X can go up to 4K at 60 frames per second, and the S is uh, sorry, 1440p at 120 uh, frames per second. So... That may sound like gobbledygook to most people, right? But if you are a gamer, you'll notice subtle, or you may not, but it's said that you could notice subtle differences in the clarity or maybe a slight lag when you're playing certain titles. Mm. I'm a big fan of the Xbox, primarily because anytime I sit down to use any of these consoles, I just play uh, Forza Horizon 4, which is a driving game. I can't drive in real life, but I'm an yeah. excellent gaming driver. That's more important, yeah. It, yeah. That's, that's literally the only qualification I have in life. Uh, but it is great. And uh, again, if you're an Xbox gamer, you will love it. The Xbox Series S is 250 quid and the Xbox Series X is 500 quid. Right. So availability is slightly better. I don't want to say they're widely available, but it's definitely slightly better. Um, and we are expecting some big titles to come out for Xbox over the next few months. Um, the other thing to note, actually, is sort of the backwards compatibility. So say if you were a PS3 or PS4 gamer, and again, you had the physical games, you can absolutely play those on your PS5. But if you have the Xbox Series S, which is the digital one, you can't really play your older titles on the new console. So again, it's that digital versus physical debate. For me, I would much rather have the digital editions and compromise slightly on the spec to have a bit of storage space in my house. Mm. But uh, I, I think, look, if you get any of these, you will be delighted with your life. I'd say your house is so clean when you're talking about storage space <laughs> and putting things away. I wish it was, Shane, but no, it's not. not. I would say your DMs are absolutely <laughs> rammed this time of <laughs> year. Yeah, That's yeah. what I think. What I All the questions. A yeah. lot of questions. And if you do have any questions, you can get me on Instagram at JessKellyNTE and I'll answer as many as humanly possible. Finally, just those both Xbox versions, you can still get the Netflix and, and Prime yes. Video and stuff as well. Yes, all those bits are built in. And also the thing that we mentioned last week, you can watch it on YouTube if you missed it. We talked through the Game Pass. This is one of the best gifts you can get a gamer um, and I think if you are treating yourself to an Xbox over Christmas ignore the Netflix and all that kind of stuff you can watch that at any time get onto the Xbox Game Pass and get those hundreds of titles that you can play it works with both the digital edition and the physical or the traditional edition with the disc drive uh, so absolutely get on that Brilliant Jess, great stuff as always thanks a million this morning Thank you Great stuff Jess Kelly there News Talks tech correspondent uh, approaching 13 minutes past 9 on this Wednesday morning's OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Here's what we've got on OTB Sports Radio for the rest of today. One o'clock, the Club Championship show is live with Will and Ashley herself here on hosting duties. Uh, OTB Gold, the Irish football special with Given Quinn, McAteer and Kev. 
3pm it's the latest episode of Koi Geek which is live 4pm Retro Panel 2018's Limerick Hurlers we've got from 6 OTB Gold Column Gooch Cooper and from 7 of course OTB Live this evening with uh, Joe Wednesday Night Rugby live reaction to the second World Cup semi-final between France and Morocco and plenty more besides you can follow OTB across all our social channels and subscribe to the OTB Podcast Network for all the best in the latest sports content now, during the ad break, you will hear a clip from the latest episode of the Koi Gig podcast, where our own Kathleen McNamee, Karen Duggan and Emma Byrne discuss the current WSL leaders Chelsea, with opinions split on whether they'll end the season as champions. The Koi Gig pod on OTB Sports in association with Cadbury FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland's women's national team. We'll be back in studio afterwards with the Irish basketball star, star Rachel Housdens. See you in a minute. OTB. A.M. 17 minutes past nine on this Wednesday morning's OTB I'm delighted to say we have the Irish basketball star Rachel Houston in studio with us this morning. Morning, Rachel. How are things? Thanks for having me on the show, Shane. Surrounded by Meath women here. <laughs> We've got Ratos and Dunshockland <laughs> represented. It's good to have two in. I oh, know, definitely. <laughs> the Royals represented. Uh, Rachel, you had, a, you had a, a big game against the Netherlands recently. I know the result didn't quite go yeah. uh, as, as planned in the Eurobasket qualifiers. 59-56, but I mean, the Dutch are a quality, quality outfit, so Signs are positive? Yeah, no, definitely. Like, I think going into this game, we had had a good bit of preparation done over the summer. Um, and obviously, we played them a full year previously. And at that stage, I think there was more than 20 points in the difference between the two teams. So for us, it was more about just like seeing where we come in the year and how much like pr- preparation had helped. And um, so we went in uh, feeling that bit more confident. And I think I don't think any of us realised just how well we'd start off. And so obviously, it nearly makes it a, a, that bit more disappointing when like it was in our grasp. And obviously, we're going to be looking back at video now and seeing like where things went wrong and what we still need to improve on but just in terms of after getting over the disappointment and obviously it still hurts but um, to take the positives out of it too and to see how much actually we have come on in the year and hopefully take that into the next window. You have the final qualifiers against the Czechs in February? Yeah, so that'll be... Yeah, we'll be heading to Prague then for that. I think it's the 9th of February. Um, So again, we still have time. We have, like, over Christmas now, we'll probably have another camp or something like that. Um, And like I said, get a bit of, like, you know, video in and different things like that. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be good fun. When did you first break into the Irish senior setup? Oh, well, the senior setup I think was probably in 2021. So it was actually, there was the, the kind of COVID year, nothing happened in basketball, we didn't have a season. Um, so it was kind of tough for us as well because no one had, you know, any basketball or any <laughs> practice and then suddenly we went into this kind of, um, the Europeans for the small countries as a team. So I remember even the first game in that competition, uh, like it was my first, um, like senior cap, but also it was my first game in, like over a year so even just thinking with refs and stuff I was like how does this work again <laughs> the rules what <laughs> are the rules I was like am I going to be fouled out in the first couple of minutes but um, so that was yeah 2021 was my first cap for the senior team and then since then now obviously there's not as many opportunities as underage because you have those kind of big tournaments that are happening over two weeks whereas this is more spread out um, but yeah since then yeah and just when you mentioned the underage so from when you started to now at this present point have you seen much progression within the game? I definitely know I definitely have um, like even when you're looking at like co- competitions within Ireland themselves like National Cup and even now I feel like I'm not that old but even when I'm looking at girls that are under 18 now that are coming up just there's so much more focus on individual skills whereas like previously it was just kind of obviously it's still a team game but it was more about the team and who just like fought harder and who just wanted it more it's, that's still obviously a big element but you can see all these camps are very focused on individual skill sets and the offensive um, plays and different things like that so you can 
really see that coming through and girls that are like 16 and 17 so I definitely think even in the past couple of years there's been a huge improvement. And with coverage then as well you're seeing that the games are, are live in TG Cahar so I suppose that all helps the profile of the game? Oh 100% like it's great that TG Cahar cover them and then with National Cup they cover that too and now that they have the Basketball Ireland TV it just means that people who might necessarily be able to travel to games especially if it is like across the country they can still watch and you're just watching games that you might even have thought about looking at or you wouldn't travel to go see and like even myself um, like I've had people in Dunshockland just say oh I saw you on TV and like they uh-huh. might never have watched a basketball game before or even if it's in college like they'll be like oh we'll stick on TG Cahar so it really is a great thing like the more people that see it hopefully the more people that get involved and hopefully mm-hmm. that'll keep spreading and it'll just get bigger it's funny Maybe. like we were chatting to, to Kevin Caban on the show earlier and he was talking about being at the 2002 World Cup and almost getting emotional yesterday watching back videos of the national yeah. anthem and that sort of thing like do you ever get used to that feeling of pulling on the green jersey I think um, I don't think you ever get used to it no and I do think like you were saying you do get emotional I remember even after because you put so much work into it and I think when we were underage especially like your whole summer would just be spent with the team so like every single minute of every day you'd have camp and I remember obviously then it's little things that you associate then with different tournaments and stuff like that like songs or you know different memories and I remember I was just sitting in the car and like the song started playing that I just associate with that kind of time I was like nearly tearing up kind of just because yeah. Obviously, they're just such a big part of your life. So um, I don't think it ever does when you're standing there in the national anthems playing, and especially even with the Dutch, like there's a full arena and, you know, everyone's singing along. Like, it's just a really special moment. And I don't think you ever really get used to that. I can imagine. And like, we, we've had conversations on the show over the last number of weeks about PE in Ireland and how maybe we need to improve in terms of the, the, the amount of hours for starters yeah. that the PE is given, especially to young girls. Um, like, what was that experience like for you? Was it was basketball? Was PE how you first came into basketball, or, or how did it come about? Um, so, in primary school, there actually we had um, like a camp. Kevin Troy came to do like a camp, and I think we were just talking about that there. Yeah. Um, we think it might have just been like on a Friday for like a couple of weeks in a row, and that was kind of when I was first properly introduced to the game, and mm. you know how amazing it could be, and just like the passion that he has for the sport, and that's kind of what got me involved into it. And then one of my friends' dads, he would have been quite big in basketball when he was younger and like thinking about going to America obviously that was different back then obviously even a bigger commitment with like you know communication and travelling and stuff um, so that's kind of how then I got involved and then I just joined the local team um, but definitely like PE I think <laughs> there could still be a lot of work done and keeping people involved and participating especially when you get to secondary school level like I'd say about not even 20% of the girls actually like were involved in PE when we had PE you know everyone was sitting out so I'm not sure how you tackle that or like how you try and get people more interested but it's definitely up for discussion yeah well, yeah we were Troy, it will help yeah well this is it yeah we were talking before we come on just because I would go to a primary school that was close I suppose yeah. in Chocolin and Calvin Troy came into our school as well and like I always remember for like the four weeks that he was there like the passion that he brought like none of us had ever played basketball we were very much GA like hurling camogie football yeah. that was it no one played soccer no one played rugby yeah. and I just remember we were allowed to get you know courts put out into the yard and we were all obsessed and yeah. I'll never forget him like I always remember 
remember that passion and as a coach what he was like and the influence he had on all of us and that was just for one month yeah. you know it wasn't yeah. like I had him for a few years so when I had seen that's how you started out it's you know it's incredible and he's in his own right such a good player as well yeah. and obviously coming from the US and exactly. you know, we didn't really have that I suppose that influence in Ireland as yeah. much yeah and I think like you're saying there as well like when you do see those people who are so passionate and so skilled in their in their sport like that's definitely something you know like I even I was over in America over the summer and I went to a Chicago Sky game like in the WNBA and like I was just absolutely in awe of these players and obviously I've seen them on TV and like follow them on Instagram but seeing them in person there I was like I wish I had seen this when I was like 14, 15 mm. yeah, because I got, I got home and I was like I just want to get practicing now so I definitely think like getting people like that more involved and making them just like more available to younger kids to be able to talk to or to see and just you know really can spark like ignite the spark and kind of get you passionate about something so it's a huge thing yeah. I think even Kieran Donaghy has said that on the show different times where mm-hmm. like he ju- he's encouraging people to get into games in Tralee and watch the experience and you know the lights and the show and the yeah. whole everything mm-hmm. like yeah. if people only went in and watched the matches yeah. they would be left inspired like yeah no that's exactly it like even uh, like I was saying when we were, we had Europeans in Dublin and the, just the crowd was just amazing and even people still say now like that was one of the best experiences even just as the spectator because it was just you just felt like part of it even if you didn't have anyone like from family playing or something like that mm-hmm. it just makes it this whole event and like it's something really memorable so I think definitely the more people that come and get involved and properly get involved you know just the better they'll get yeah and you mentioned joining your local team yeah. when you were growing up and there there wasn't that many local teams. Mm-hmm. Has that changed nowadays in Ireland? I'm not 100% sure. I know still kind of, we would have been the only team in Mead for a, a long, long while. I think mm. there was then one started up in Navin. But even then, like the Northeast League, we'd have to travel to Monaghan, to Longford, like to Cavan to play games. And obviously like, that was you'd enjoy that on the weekend or Sunday you'd go off and stop in McDonald's on the way home but <laughs> like you know it would be even better if you know there was even school like I know there are school leagues now starting with secondary schools but even as early as primary school get people involved because with Gaelic and different things like that and hurling people start off in the academies and they're you know four or five six with tiny little hurls like playing the same could be said for basketball so I think just obviously even like basketball team you only need to you know, not that many players. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you can just start it up and get people involved, definitely you'll start to grow. And you can learn a lot as well because a lot of the coaches that go from basketball, you know, go into GA, same sort of skill set. A lot of coaches say that, you know, GA coaches say that if you play basketball, you're a shoe in, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it definitely, I think no matter what sport you play, it obviously they all overlap mm. in terms of like hand-eye coordination. Um, I know myself <clears throat> from playing Gaelic, like I think from playing basketball because it's so, um, like the court's so small and everyone's so close together, you really do get comfortable being under pressure with the ball. So like obviously Gaelic, you've got the whole pitch and obviously it's that bit more physical because it's contact sports. People <laughs> are like push you and hit you and stuff like that. But you do get that bit more comfortable on the ball and maybe you can see that overlapping. And I know that's why sometimes you can see sometimes the inter- inter-county teams come and do basketball training just probably yeah. for those reasons the same way the, in the other direction as well with Gaelic and going back to or hurling, oh, sorry I keep mentioning Gaelic but mm-hmm. yeah it all kind of interlinks and helps out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You were one of these really annoying all-rounders when you were younger oh, like no. badminton yeah, was I it badminton, so. Irish dancing, Gaelic <laughs> basketball, just good at everything basically I know, I think for me it was more I just, I've 
I started off with Gaelic and I think I just kind of got the bug like I, I liked running I liked just I was competitive and I think once you've got a couple of those things like it really does <laughs> happen so yeah I just loved all the sports really and just stayed involved yeah Was it tough to then focus on one and pick basketball I'm sure that's not an easy decision you have to choose at some point I guess yeah I think first of all you forget like I'd love to be able to play them all and like you don't have enough days in the week but also just when you're 15 you're able to do that you'd play you know for under 14s and then you'd have an under 16 game you know you'd be able to do all that in one day whereas now you need time to recover Um, and then just with everything else like it was tough and I don't know. I think it was really probably because of the Irish team, the basketball, just those experiences that it gave me. That's kind of what gave it the foot up, the leg up. But um, yeah, it was tough when I tried to stay at the Gaelic and like I kind of come in and out in the summer maybe and like make a couple of trains, make a couple of games. But got to the stage, I remember one time I came back and played a match and um, like I nearly tore about my hamstrings. Like I was crying mm. coming off. We won the game, but I was just like in bits and I couldn't walk for like a month afterwards. Not worth it. Just I was like, for first of all, I felt terrible not being able to fully commit to something mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. really want to. But then second of all, I was like, actually, for my own physical health, like this is not doable, and I'm just going to hurt myself even more. So I, at that stage, then I think that was after in like 2017, I was like, look, unless I'm able to commit fully, I can't just be coming back and forth. So I had to make the decision. Yeah, yeah. That's tough. Am I right in saying you're a medical student in Trinity as yeah. well? Yeah. I'm Where do you find the hours in the day? Yeah. I know. No, I think definitely it's it, it, it's a fine balance and you definitely have to be a bit selfish. I think when I was in first and second year, I felt like, you know, I had to do everything for everyone. I couldn't say no. Whereas mm-hmm. I think the older you get, the bit more like I have to do this for me. So like if something doesn't work, I just have to say no and say like either I can't make this training or I have exams coming up. And like if that means that maybe I won't get started or I get less minutes, so be it like that just... You kind of have to balance it out and just uh, to be able to do everything really and to keep it up for as long as possible too. So I don't. Uh, and at one point you did have offers from the US. Um, I think like that after the Europeans, I had never even really considered it or even thought about it before. Um, and then after that Europeans in Dublin, when we did quite well, obviously probably the, the coaches and stuff are looking at those games and because we were in then the final, that's like the high profile game. Um, so yeah, I had a f- couple of people reach out and did a couple of interviews. But like I said, because it's nothing I'd really considered and thought about, it's not something you just decide off the bat off the bat without properly thinking of because it's a huge commitment and over there it's a whole other story like your life is mm. basketball um, and then like that as well with I wanted to do medicine and it's a you can't do that over there you have to do pre-med and it's like this whole other thing so I kind of just had to weigh up what my priorities were and I think just ultimately the, the four year commitment and just how much of your life goes into it and then also with what I wanted to do it just didn't really <laughs> work out or fit in so sometimes you think oh I wonder what it would have been like but look that's in the past now but some of the girls have gone over now some younger girls it's great to just watch them and keep up mm. to do how they're doing Absolutely I suppose yeah. when you get into work as well it's probably similar to Jack McCaffrey's story with the dubs where he's you know working in medicine obviously getting um, the time to play Gaelic and train as well so yeah. you, you probably have to balance the two somehow it's not an easy thing to do Yeah no definitely not and I don't know how he's doing that either it's like a full time job um, but no like that and you just it also is you have to have people around you that are understanding as well and like understand that it's not because you don't want to be committed or like that you don't want to be there all the time it's just like it's not feasible and it's not possible to be able to keep everything up so I think once you have those people around you and people understand that and accept that um, and obviously once you just communicate that well you just don't not show up for the different things like that then you know it's fine and hopefully like usually there's n- there's no issues and you just try and keep it balanced yeah you're saying your dad is dutch yeah 
So, like, uh, tell us the story about how your parents met. This is the sorry, the most romantic <laughs> story I've heard in, in since the Notebook, maybe. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I've not heard this. Yeah, no, they. Um, so my mom went with one of her really close friends. I, I think it was Christmas time. To I'm going to say the Canary of course it was Islands. Christmas, just to add. To the, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know, I know. Uh, the Canary Islands. I can't remember which one it was. And then my dad went with one of his best friends to the Canary Islands on holidays. Now I'd say they were maybe like 21, 22, I'm not 100% sure. And they just like met in a bar and then obviously um, like mom went home, dad went home and like back then, I'm not saying they're really old, but <laughs> <laughs> obviously things weren't the same as they are now. So like write letters or like they'd have to set times to like ring each other at the phone box. Yeah, and like God. someone else could have been at the phone box. So you can't just send a text to say like, you know, hold on, hold I'm on, I'm, I'm here. Um, <clears throat> and the funny thing was is actually the two people that they both went with, went with, they're actually married now as well. But no they way. live over in my Holland, God. so they're like the reverse of my family. Um, but like, mom moved over to Holland first initially. She lived there for eight years, so she did her stint. But yeah, no, they came back to Ireland then afterwards. So amazing! Know, it's funny. It's that's class. It's yeah, you, you've spoken a bit of, spoken a bit of Dutch then growing up, no doubt. Yeah, no, I would have. Like, I was my brother's two years older, so he was born there. I was born there, and we moved over back here. Sorry, when I was like four months old, so like I've lived here all my life. But obviously, all my dad's family's there. We would have gone for weeks in the summer, like every second Christmas, midterm breaks. So yeah, like we just learned from speaking it. Like, I don't ask me to write anything down or to read anything out. And obviously, it gets rusty. I haven't been there in a good while now because of COVID and stuff. Of course, as well. I just couldn't travel. Um, so hopefully, it would come back to me. But yeah, no, I can, I can get by. I could live there like and get by but Amazing. so it's nice to have that kind of yeah absolutely yeah. they must be very proud as well to see you playing for Ireland oh no definitely definitely and I think it was just hilarious as well like out of all the teams that we could have been drawn with that are in the competition yeah. it's like, of course it's going to be the Dutch team yeah. <laughs> you know like that's the chances but at least we got a trip over there like when my parents went over there they could visit everyone and all like my Dutch family could come to the games too so that was kind of nice you know at the end of the day but um, yeah no it's, it's great yeah Hopefully, yeah. you're going to trip the Canary Islands out of it at some point as well. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the route. Back to the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah back no. to the bar. Yeah, yeah, and the phone booth as well, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, amazing. Would you give a chance to kind of unwind over Christmas and relax a bit, or is it all focused on, on February? Um, no, I think there'll be time. We have, like I was saying, for just our clubs, we have the National Cup, which is kind of the start of January, so the semi final. So obviously, we'll be focused on that, but we definitely do have, like, I think a week off or so just kind of to ourselves, no training. I know we should probably be doing stuff ourselves, but it's good to take time off. Um, I'm going over to Edinburgh myself, actually, for a couple of days. Just I've heard lots about the Christmas market. It's amazing. Yeah, so I like, have to do something. I needed something to look forward to as well, <laughs> like, to yeah. keep going. Um, so I'm just doing that and just take a bit of a break, but then back at it again because obviously that's the thing with the National Cup semis straight after Christmas or straight after New Year's you know you want to have fun but you also want to be focused because it's a big game so um, yeah so I'll take a break but then hopefully get that yeah you need the rest you need a few days exactly Exactly. (laughs) Rachel great to have you in Um, thank you uh, best of luck in the game in February and hopefully enjoy the Christmas as well thanks very much (laughs) Rachel Housden's their Irish uh, women's basketball star O2BAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day we're back Tomorrow morning, where we will know the lineup for the 2022 World Cup final, France and Morocco, of course, at 7 pm this evening. The 42.a's Gavin Cooney will join us live from Qatar. We'll chat with Glenn's winning manager, Maliki O'Rourke. The second instalment of Around the World with myself will drop, plus much more besides. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.